Hey, here we are, throwback reviews. We're going to just do kind of an impromptu conversation about the new Christmas Story Christmas. Uh, Rob and I both watched it this week. We are recording on the Monday previous to uh, Thanksgiving, so it'll be coming out. At, you'll be hearing this afterwards. But Rob watched it last week when it came out. I believe it was, uh, what, the 14th or something that it came out. Uh, whatever. Last week it came out. Rob watched it. I hadn't had time to watch it yet. He was chomping at the bit to talk to me about it. And uh, I finally got a chance to watch it yesterday. And we were talking back and forth. We've mentioned it. If you've listened to the show before, we use an app called Voxer where we can talk back and forth to each other. Kind of like a walkie-talkie in a sense, but it does... You don't have to listen in real time. And so we're like, let's just get on the mic and we'll talk about this uh, this movie. So... 11 months after our last episode. All the people that are saying, where's throwback reviews? Here's your Thanksgiving wish. You have something to be thankful for. New episode. But do people make wishes like Thanksgiving wish? Uh, Yeah, with the wishbone. Okay. Yeah. All right. You got me there. I was going to say, is that something in the O'Hara house where you'd sit around and be like, my Thanksgiving wishes. Somewhere but, Tiny Tim is yeah. like pulling out. He's like, I hope for another episode of Throwback Reviews. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you got me on the wishbone thing. But, you know. That was, you only get one wish, though. It was always it was always disappointing because you're supposed to let that thing sit out probably for like a day or two, right? To dry out so it snaps. But my brother and I were too, way too impatient. Like that night, we're like, can we do it? We I've literally never done that. We never did that in our house. Seriously. Never did it. No, we always did it, me and my brother. We probably ate it. We're probably it's <laughs> there's probably so much of the diving into the turkey that's just like whatever the wishbone, and you're like, Oh, here it is. Jiggle, well, jiggle, jiggle. And it's all uh it's all thumb placement where you put your thumb when you're pulling it. You know, if you have high up, you, you have the leverage, and my brother knew that because he's older and he always won. Whether or not he got his wish, I don't know because you're not supposed to talk about it, but anyways. I could see for two brothers just like right before you do it, just punching the other one right in the belly. No, didn't do that. We did that like later on. We were always, we were always. <laughs> it's more of a Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we got along for the holidays, except for yeah. um, except for like Halloween. I remember my brother was doing makeup on me. I might have talked about this before, and and he got old man, and started smacking me and stuff, and we started going at it. <laughs> right and then your mom comes out and you're like wow this black guy looks so real yeah you're like because he was like just sit still and he did that thing like your like your dad might do where they grab you when you're in trouble like grab you by the (laughs) cheeks and squeeze and i wasn't having that and it turned into a a whole thing but anyways (laughs) we're not here to talk about my uh, skirmishes with my brother at halloween time so um okay so we talked about this when we found out it was coming out. I was very excited about it. Um, were you, were you, or you're just kind of like, ah, it's good. You know, like, I, and, and let me just say, like, I was excited about it, but I knew, and I told you this, like, I know this, it's not the same movie. It can't be the same movie. It probably won't be as good as the same movie, but it shouldn't be, you know, but I'm, I was definitely looking forward to watching it. Um, I wasn't thrilled with the name right off the bat, A Christmas Story Christmas. I thought. But that's how you sell it, right? I mean, you got to sell it that way. 
I mean, you got to say a Christmas story. You don't want to say, you can't say a Christmas story too, because there already were uh, some sequels to Christmas story that, that uh, guess you just ignored, like they didn't happen. Right. So, right. so it's, this is uh, just the official uh, sequel. So, no, it's fine. Whatever. Christmas story, Christmas. Um, you know, when I watched the trailer, we've had so many of these movies. I mean, I'm thinking about like the new vacation when it came out, there's been a lot of movies like that where it kind of blurs this line. Like, is it a, a, it's not really a remake. It's not really, I mean, a reboot because it's the same characters, but it's kind of a recycle almost, you know, like I'm thinking about the, um, like the, the Ghostbusters, the, the, you know, like where they go, well, it's not really a reboot because the old people are in it, but it's going to be the same kind of thing, you know? Right. So that's what I didn't, from the trailer, it was hard to tell. Like, was it just going to be a beat for beat copy of the original or were they going to take it somewhere else? I mean, you're, obviously you're not going to, no, it's not going to be like a horror movie. Like, <laughs> You know, I mean, it's kind of, we know it's going to be a Christmas movie with Ralphie and, and his family, but you just don't know how original it's going to be. Um, and I think in the trailer, I, uh, I think there's a movie called a Christmas horror story. Is there, I mean, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of good, um, uh, good Christmas horror. There's actually even some Thanksgiving uh, horror. Out I hate, there that... <laughs> you know, like I do, I do horrified chicken with my wife and I don't, I don't like Christmas horror movies. Uh, I mean, it, I, I mean, I'm not, weird... a, I'm not a big fan of horror movies anyways. That's kind of the whole gimmick of our show is that she loves them. I don't like them, but I yeah. really don't like Christmas ones. And, and I don't like that. Uh, what is it? Winnie the Pooh is like public domain now. So like, you, you, people are trying to make all these like no don't don't do that don't do that well it's it's like the whole the whole source of it is it's kind of like having a movie with a scary clown like clowns are supposed to be fun and happy and bring joy and do all these things so you take something that inherently people see that way and then you make it scary so it kind of feels like you're going to you're swimming upstream a little bit you know what i mean like yeah. you're the core of most of these Christmas movies is you're taking Santa Claus and then making him a killer <laughs> or deranged killer. And so that's, it, it's hard to, um, it's hard to overcome that, but Christmas story, Christmas, we know it's not going to be that we know this is Ralphie grown up and it's going to be Christmas with his kids. So my immediate comparison was vacation where we've got rusty and he's grown up and he's going on a vacation with his kids. So it's, it's familiar enough where uh you don't have to sell it like if i said okay i got you know all these all these hallmark christmas movies i say okay what what's this about and you say well it's this guy and he owns a hotel and there's a lady but she's breaking up with her boyfriend and you got to explain this whole plot before you can sell it right but mm -hmm. christmas story christmas you could go that's yeah, ralphie but now he's the adult and you go okay i get it like i could see that whole movie just just like that you know so uh, it makes it an easy sell to people i think yeah, um, like I said, it was a sell for me, anyways. But I don't know. I, the, I was a little nervous to watch it too. Yeah, to and be honest the, with the you. Trailer? Do we see 
what what other characters other than Ralphie uh, and his family, like what returning characters do we actually see in the trailer? Um, I know you see Schwartz because he's, you know, going down uh, the ramp, as they call it, the quote, the ramp. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure we see Flick. I, I don't know. I only watched the uh, trailer. I remember seeing the teaser and then I saw the regular trailer once and, mm-hmm. and that was it. And even watching that, I was like, mm. again, I had to keep reminding myself. It's kind of that. It's kind of uh, I had to have kind of like that Star Wars mentality that I have, where it's like, you know, I have the original trilogy, which is what we grew up with and love. Anything else is like a bonus. Maybe we'll like it, maybe we won't, but we'll watch it and take it for what it is. So I, I kind of went in with that. But I mean, a Christmas story. I've told you, um, a Christmas story is a. It's a movie that I have on my phone, both in video. And in audio, I, I rip a lot of audio from movies and put them on my phone. So when I'm at work, because I work in a factory, obviously I can't sit and watch movies, but I'll listen to them. So I have both versions um, and I have a ton of Gene Shepard radio shows. So, it, you know, I, I was I was like, God, I hope I I hope I don't hit because like the sequels, like um, A Christmas Story 2. And then what was it? The summer one? Like they were complete. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Just, right. just garbage. But this is you're you're bringing back pretty much other than the old man um, and the mother, which we'll 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 talk about. Um, and I and Miss Shields, the teacher, like I think those are like the three majors of the original that aren't in this film, but everyone mm-hmm. else kind of is. Yeah, so I think the trailers did show, like you said, Schwartz and, and Flick. Um, it did not show, and, and I mean, it goes to say, if you've listened to this show before, you know, we spoil everything. So <laughs> we'll get that out of the way. Um, it did not show, um, Scott Farkas. So that was kind of a revelation. I don't remember how much of the mom it showed. Um, and I don't remember if it showed his brother, uh, Randy, who comes back and, and we can talk about. Randy's involvement uh, in the whole story as well. But, you know, just like I said, from seeing the trailer, we see Ralphie, we see he's grown up, kind of looks like a, a goofy guy that, I mean, he looks like kind of what Ralphie <laughs> would look like grown up. They've, they tried to make him look like that. Um, and, and the trailer, did you, it, I don't remember. Well, if I they mean, the thing this. is, the thing is he looks like it anyways. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely like some people as they get older, you go, oh, that's, you know, you see like stars now from when they were, he, Peter Billings, he looks like, you know what I mean? And I remember seeing yeah, like, him in uh, Elf with uh, Will yes. Ferrell um, and being yeah. like, oh my God, that's Peter Billingsley. Just a grown up version. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember seeing it when they were just doing the big reunion for the Goonies not too long ago and they were showing Chunk. And he's like this slim dude yeah. and he's bald and he's t- and you go, that doesn't look like Chunk. But when you see Peter Billingsley, he looks like Peter Billingsley. Right. Now, um, his voice is shocking. Like, he, yeah, he definitely has like, uh, like I'm a dad, but I don't have the dad voice. He has just a very deep kind of stern yeah. sounding voice. Yeah. Um. In the trailer, did you get that this movie was going to take place in 1973? Um, I th- I knew because I had read something, mm-hmm. 
but I mean, no, I, I mean, I knew already, so I didn't really base didn't, it off. And I, I got, was, I got to be honest, I really don't remember much about the trailer. I just watched it the one time, and now everything I'm thinking about is is the movie. I just can't remember right. the trailer. I did, I can tell you that when I started the movie at the very beginning, uh, Ralphie. And and sometimes hey, they call him Ralph, you know. The but mom, I mean, I'm mom, always. Yeah, I think the mom refers to him as Ralphie the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the way that I I would always refer to him. But at the very beginning, he says, "Oh yes, my house. I remember this." And he says the avocado uh, uh, appliances and the orange walls and all this. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of weird." And then it cuts to this calendar on the wall, and it says December nineteen seventy three. I was like, oh, this is in the 70s. And then I thought maybe this is a flashback or something. But no, it's the movie takes place in, in 73. And I don't know that that, you know, they don't really lean into the 70s. It's not like, I think if you watched, you could cut out 30 seconds of this film, you wouldn't know it was in the 70s. You would just think it was a modern film. Right. Know? And so I, there was something I kind of wanted to talk about with that is the way so basically we'll we'll just say like so Ralphie is is an aspiring writer and he mm-hmm. he has made some agreement with his wife to take a year off focus on his writing and if it doesn't work out he's not published within a year he'll get a job right and you had brought up something today when we were talking like well did his did his wife work like did he save a lot of money or whatnot but the thing i noticed was um it's not to say that there weren't dads like this back then. I mean, uh, but like when we grew up, I mean, I was born in 74. So maybe 1973 was the end of dads like this. Cause I wasn't born. I didn't realize <laughs> it, but uh, I, I, I think as we grew up in the seventies, eighties, dads were not as involved as, as he was in this movie. If that makes sense, the way he kind of took care of things and was, you know what I'm saying? Like dad's kind of, we're still like his old man where it's like you worked and we have question about that as well. We'll get to, but yeah. So it kind of, like you said, I would have thought it was a modern film. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, styles and everything, especially uh flick like Schwartz still was, was sporting like a 50s, 60s kind of slicked hair and everything look, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I, yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, I, I went back and I watched, beginning of the film again uh just a few hours ago and at the very beginning ralphie says i had saved up just enough money so that i could take the year off all right we we so 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 yeah yeah i didn't didn't, there's a lot of little like minor little lines in this movie that explain things that later when i thought about i was like well this doesn't make sense but it did throw it in there just you know for for a quick a quick reference but um I, of course our perception as children might have been different so my parents might not agree uh and so i'm not saying this is the way things were i will say this is the way i interpreted things was that my dad went to work and came home with and gave money to my mom and said make christmas happen <laughs> now that might not be that might not be i mean my dad might have been excited you know, about, oh, I want to get my kid a BB gun too or whatever. But I mean, like largely, like I don't, 
my dad was behind the logistics of planning a lot of Christmas stuff. When he was doing, I mean, when Christmas stuff was happening, my dad was at work. Yeah. Same, same, same on my end until my parents got divorced. And the first Christmas my father did on his own, which was very a Christmas story. I talked to, I think I've talked about this on the show is like when I got my BB gun, it wasn't, it wasn't a Red Rider. It was a, a, a Crossman 760 pump master. No, uh, no compass in the stock or nothing. Uh, no thing that tells time. But and it, my father did it exactly in the same sit- situation. Hit it behind a couch. I opened up presents at my grandparents. We went upstairs and it was there. But other than that, yeah, before that, yeah, I'm sure he had nothing to do with it because he was at work and then he came home, ate dinner, went to work again. And my mom you know, stay at home at that point. Yeah. So jumping ahead a little bit, but it ties into that. But uh, to get us to this point, uh, five minutes into the film, Ralphie's expecting a call. He says a call from my manager, but I don't know who, I mean, I guess that's something to do with his book thing because he's waiting for information on his publishing thing or something. Yeah. But, uh, but he gets the phone it's his mom. We only hear one side of the conversation, and it's obviously the news that his uh, dad has passed away. And this is, um, I forgot where it was on the calendar it's marked, but it's, its you know, the week before Christmas. Um, and then Ralphie and his family live in Chicago. They don't really explain how he ended up in Chicago. It's not really important. Right. The important thing is now that he has to get back to the old Christmas story house that we all know uh, from from the first movie, so, um, uh, so he heads over there. And t- they pack up the family, and they get there, and then there's this little scene that really drove me crazy because I didn't really didn't get the implications of it until you know after the movie because it's such a weird thing. But basically, when he gets there and we see the mom for the first time. The mom is not the actress from the original film. Uh-huh. And she comes out and she says, listen, Ralphie, your dad would not want you to, to be sad. So uh, you're not going to be sad the whole rest of the movie. And Ralphie says, okay. He promises that he that he won't. Because the, the whole movie, the whole, you know, however long it is, uh, you know, hour and a half, hour, 45, whatever. I'm thinking there's not one moment where the people in this movie are sad that their dad died the week before Christmas. But then when I watch it again, it's like they put this little 30 second scene in there where he's like, uh, and there's two things and I want to, and I want you to comment on both of them because we're going to go somewhere else with this. But, uh, but the first thing is, yeah, the mom just says, Hey, listen, we're not going to be sad because we don't want to remember Christmas that way. And then everybody goes, all right. And then nobody is sad. Um, but from that point also, she says, by the way, essentially now you're the man of the family and it's on you to plan a successful Christmas. And so this becomes the whole plot of the film. Ralphie, for some reason by himself has to plan a successful Christmas and immediately he acts like he has never seen Christmas before. (laughs) So those two things. Right. Right. So the mom says this about Christmas and I get where she's coming from. Like, look, um, you know, I know someone who recently passed away in my wife's side of the family and, 
it was expected but untimely and uh this person had said like look when i when i go i don't want a sad like i want a celebration of life basically so that's what instead of having this wake and all this kind of stuff it was a celebration of life so i can get behind that because i always think that like why does it have to be it's not that you're not going to be sad, but why do you have to just everyone be all, it's very uncomfortable, right? You go to a funeral, mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I could see like, look, it's Christmas. L- let's try to be happy. Remember the happy times. We'll mourn in our own time. So I I, I wasn't as, as uh, critical with that as I know you were. And um, I know you had mentioned, you know, is there gonna, someone going to cry or whatever? There is a there is a part in the movie where he actually does cry. He doesn't, <laughs> but it's more of a, you know, um, adult kind of I'm upset, wiping tears away type of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'll so, say this real quick. Sure. When when he's upstairs in the attic and he finds his old man's typewriter, I almost started crying. And this is for people that aren't real. <laughs> I was like, how gut-wrenching that he finds his dad's old typewriter and now he's going to type his dad's obituary more or less on his dad's typewriter and i just started getting choked up and i thought why is he not getting choked up (laughs) because i thought man that's a that's a tough one right there that would be terrible right uh well you know you say why you know i'm getting upset about these people that aren't even real I, I think it's just, um, um, you know, I, I got choked up in this movie at the very end. We'll, we'll yeah, talk about too. that at the That's very, sure. very end. Um, just like out of nowhere, boom, like, oh shit, what did I swallow? Golf ball? What's that lump in my throat? <laughs> and why are my eyes feel weird? Like, no, it's, and this happened recently, uh, when uh, Angela Lansbury died, like, and I, I told you, like, I have, like, it always sucks, you know. Obviously, when anyone passes away, the loss of life, whatever. But you know, when you there's a musician or an actor or whatever, someone in the public eye passes away, and if you liked all their stuff, you know, you're like, man, it sucks, man. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, man, that is such a bummer. It's gonna suck you. For some, like with her, I, I remember seeing it and I, I legit was same thing. I didn't cry, but I felt like I was gonna. Like I felt like someone I knew had, you know what I mean? And I think yeah. it's because there's such a connection to these things as our childhood. Um, I, I So with Angela Lansbury, like, like Murder, She Wrote, um, she just reminded me of my grandmother and there's there's ties into it with that and just I love the show and she just seems so mm-hmm. sweet. So it was like something from when I was younger, an attachment. And it's like, you know, did I know her? No, but it, it sucked. Um, and then with this movie, right? It's like, it, it's it for me, it was a huge part of my childhood. I absolutely love this movie. And I and I asked you a few times and you never answered me. Like, how, how, uh, how big was this, uh, the original movie for you as a kid growing up? Or even now, like, like how is it? Are you as into it as I am, or? Uh, I have seen the original fifty thousand times. I would say, um, give or take. So I'll uh, say yes. <laughs> um, you know, I don't remember if they started showing it on cable 
first. I, I we didn't go see this at the movies, I'm sure, but uh, but very early. I mean, we had cable HBO. early on and satellite and stuff, so uh, we got into it. And this is one of those movies. I tell you what's great about the original movie, and I was thinking about this. Um, Christmas Story, Christmas, the new movie is set in 1973. Now, you and I don't remember Christmas 1973, um, but there are some things in this movie I can relate to. You know, I could go, oh, yeah, and especially being as the dad and and um, and being a dad of, of our own children, you know, and, and, and dealing with Christmas. But in that first movie, there is so much to relate to. There's big things there's little things i mean there's there's that thing of uh ralphie holding the lug nuts while his dad works on the car and and you know i mean who hasn't been a kid and just stood there and watched your dad fix something yeah. while you're you know trying to be a part of it or or just wanting something so gosh darn bad for christmas that you could taste it and it's like no one is listening to me if i don't have this star wars thing or a go-kart or whatever it is, you know. And the thing is, is that that movie, and I guess I looked it up, they don't ever say specifically what year the first movie was, but all they say is the early 1940s. So the timeline here is that Ralphie, it does say that Ralphie was nine years old. So somewhere in the early 1940s in that movie. And then, so he would be in his early 40s, uh, you know, in, in the new the new movie. But it's so it's so weird that so many of those feelings and the experiences, you know, daring your your best friend to do something and then them almost getting hurt and then you feeling guilty, like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble because they did something that I, you know, was there for. Like, we've all had those experiences. So it's weird to be so nostalgia about something that really, I mean, the movie is set in the 1940s. It could have been, um, you know, like... Like what I would think about is like the the decoder ring and the little orphan Annie. Now I never did that. I never had a decoder ring, and I never listened to radio shows when I was a kid. So so that whole concept is foreign to me. But the the bigger picture, the idea of you know getting something out of a cereal box or some yes. getting some toy and then yes. finding out that it's crappy and and you're like what a piece of or, junk. Or watching like a GI Joe episode and it's like next continue next week and you're waiting and stuff like that. Dude, I when the Empire Strikes Back when it was about to come out, I did the thing where if you cut all the I had all my cards that I was saving and I cut all the little Proofs of purchase off there to mail it in so I could get, I think it was Dengar. And then you see the movie and Dengar's in the movie for four seconds and you're like, wow, he's like a mummy bounty hunter, old man. Like, what did I, you're like, I just got took. As a kid, you're like, they just used me. Yeah. I just bought stuff. It was your, it don't in. forget to drink your Ovaltine moment. Yeah, there was this thing. So, so even though that the details were different, it was like the experience you could be nostalgic about, you right, know, and right. so I don't know how many of those, I mean, I guess obviously in the new movie, it's from a different point of view. It's from, I mean, he's the, you know, he, what do they call it? The, it's not the, uh, the middle generation or the in-between generation or whatever. I mean, you've got, you know, your parents above you and, and your children below you. So you're in the middle now. And, and so there are different things that you can relate to 
but some of them just, I don't know, seem so weird. Like when he's like, I'm going to go, you know, make a deal and get this tree. And he buys a tree that he, he doesn't really want. And then he's like, ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> I got this gigantic tree for $4 and it's all weird. And well, know. so I do want to go back because you asked me two questions. I yeah. never, I never answered, you know, responded to your second one, which was, you know, him having this responsibility of being in charge of Christmas and him being like, Christmas, what? What? Do you, I don't know what to do. I was with you on that. Like your kids, I don't remember how old, but the boy looks like he's probably at least Ralphie's age in the original, right? He looks like he's at least nine or 10 years old. Yeah, I think they say he's 10. Like if, if you don't, if he truly had no idea what was going on with Christmas, which probably back in that time he didn't, the mom probably would have just stepped in and been like, yeah, we'll take care of this. So it right. did seem kind of weird. Like I could see like mom's like, you put the star on the tree this year because your dad used to do it and you carved the turkey. But yeah, this whole thing about it. But that's that was the, the concept of the whole entire movie is that he's stepping into um the spot of you know Darren McGavin's character the old man yeah. okay i get it um then but, he goes to the bar to, to brainstorm ideas for christmas right <laughs> and they come up with getting a buffalo and i mean just ridiculous list of things and it's very funny it's a funny scene you know right and i, I think the whole movie is just that lighthearted try to funny thing with a couple little serious well not serious but somewhat serious kind of moments to it um, so I want to talk about, uh, you had mentioned to me, um, about during the movie, there's scenes where you get flashbacks of the original movie embedded into the, into this movie. Right. And I know it really bothered you. And to be quite honest, I didn't like it either, except for the only part that I was like, okay, but if they took it out. I guess they didn't need it here either as I'm talking to talking out, but the, where he walks in and sees the old man's chair and then you see the shot of his old man from the original movie and then it fades in you. You know what I mean? That was the only part, but I was like, you brought up a very good point and uh, where you basically were like, look, anybody watching this movie has seen a Christmas story. It felt, and you know, I guess I'm putting words in your mouth, but it felt very spoon-fed to people that don't need to be spoon-fed for this movie. And well, e and even even if let's say you didn't see this the original movie, right? You could still watch this. It's still a story of a family at Christmas time coming together in the midst of some sort of tra tragedy, whether it's you know. Uh, you know, like Christmas with the cranks. Have you ever seen that word? You know, they're supposed to go on a cruise and then it, whatever, or the one with Schwarzenegger and, and the toy. There's always something, right? So you don't, you don't even necessarily need to be spoon-fed these images. It, it was a little distracting. So, number one, I think you nailed it in that um, the scene where you hear the old man's voice, uh, and there's a couple of those, a couple times where that happens. But those are moments... At, when when it ha when those happen, it helps the plot because you know that Ralphie is seeing his old man and thinking about his old man. So that is done to help the movie, and I was okay with that. The ones that bugged me is like when Ralphie says, "You go to Schwartz's bar 
And he goes, oh, my buddy Schwartz and Flick. I remember him from when my, yes. I was a kid. Yeah. And then it cuts to the scene of him and Flick and Schwartz walking down the street. And then it cuts back to the bar. And they're all standing in the same position. So you know which who is who. And, and I thought, that's what I was like. We've all seen that movie. Like, we know who Flick and Schwartz are. We don't need to be reminded of that, you know. I don't remember if it did it with his brother Randy or not, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. We don't I don't think we see any flashbacks of Randy. <laughs> and, and you know, that's you know, you talked about him briefly. Like there's a point where he um, where Randy calls the, you know, the child at home. Yeah. Right. And he answers I the got phone a with this. And uh, he's in India for whatever reason. And he's kind of it's like he doesn't want to come home. He doesn't want to deal with it. And and so Ralph is like. All right, I'm gonna play hardball. Mom's not eating, and I can't talk now. Or whatever, trying to like pull at those heartstrings or whatever. Um, and then we don't, you know, we don't see Randy until the very end of the movie. And I thought, well, I mean, Randy really in the original movie was just kind of, kind of like comic relief to a degree. You know, he was a really young kid mm -hmm. actor, but he was great in the role that he played, which was yeah. just a whiny little cute little kid in the, in the original so it's like we don't really even need him to be in it after that point but the whole like in india type of thing was weird yeah. now i will say there could be a tie to that because a, a lot of his story like a christmas story the original story right is based on a, a lot of short stories right mm -hmm. um from 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 some of his books so like when they go in the bar, when he goes in the bar, you see it. I, I mentioned it yesterday on the back, it says, in God, we trust all others pay cash. It's, it was the name of one of Gene Shepard's books, um, which some of a Christmas story was, you know, it wasn't like Gene Shepard wrote this, a Christmas story, the, that movie, right? Or Bob Clark, mm -hmm. like they kind of, it was pulled from different stories, um, you know, like even with like Scott Farkas, like the fight scene. It's from another story um, from Wanda Hickey's uh, Night of, I forget, Night of Golden Memories or something like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I forgot where I was going with that. But um, shoot, <laughs> I start going off sometimes, man. I, I just lose my train of thought. But oh, because of the uh, India. You said so Randy. What, so Randy. I, what I was saying is there, there could be a story that Gene Shepard talked about where either his old man or somebody with India. So I think there's things in this movie where if you are not like, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of Gene Shepard. Where I listen to his radio shows at work as though they're being played now. I don't. I didn't. I haven't read everything. I've listened to most of the stories from the Wanda Hickey's book because you can go on YouTube and he actually told these stories on radio shows. So they're kind of cool to listen back to. Um, but I don't know all of the everything. You know, like I caught the Ngawi Trust thing and. Um, mm -hmm. There's some music that that's played that I was like, hey, that's actually the intro to his his radio show. Like when they go sledding the and all the adults are oh, playing that music okay. is um, it's like a some polka type song or whatever. But oh, so, I didn't know so that. that's my point is there might be something that someone else that knows even more background is like, oh, well, he was in India because he told this one story about that's what I'm saying. It could, could be something yeah. like that. Well, so I'm going to put on. I'm going to put on my uh, movie viewer hat for a minute okay, and say it's weird that when that Randy 
who I know in the first movie he's a kid. Let's say he's three years younger than Ralphie, which means in this movie he's late 30s or possibly 40. And he has received a phone call that his father has died and that they're going to his parent, his mom's house. And when they call him, he's laying in a hotel room and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm trying real hard to get home. And he's so it's like, it's not like he's avoiding, like there's some emotional thing. It's just like he's not interested. It just comes off as really, yeah. really weird that he's not there. Now, I'm going to take off my my movie fan hat for a minute and I'm going to put on my script writing and story writing hat. Okay. There is nothing for Randy to do in this movie. If Randy were in this whole movie, it screws everything up because now he's at the house. So if they were going to go shopping, they wouldn't take the mom shopping. She'd stayed home with Randy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or Randy goes with, and now you've got to, what do you take two cars? Cause you got six people. So it screws up the whole, the whole thing. So I know when they sat down to write this movie, they were like, what the hell are we going to do with Randy? Like he's got to be in the movie, but we don't have anything for him to do. And so when I saw this and they did that, I thought that's exactly what they just did. They just wrote him out of the movie. Cause they don't, there's not a, a space for him in this story. You know, yeah. So, get why they did it. I just thought the way they did it was kind of. It could have been. It could have been done differently. Like I think they were trying to go for some sort of comedic, but yeah, I mean, you go. Well, it's his dad just died, and he's just like, I I don't care. Like, you know, uh, one of the stories was about these, you know, great blizzards that happened. Okay, so have Randy. you know, I'm stuck on a blizzard. Kind of going back to Muppets fam- Family Christmas, right? Where Piggy don't know if Piggy's <laughs> coming because she's hitting, you know, bad weather. And at the end of the movie, Piggy makes it. Well, Randy right. comes in at the end of the movie. So instead yeah. of doing the like, I'm going to play the, the big brother, you know, dad role, making you feel bad. Yeah. Have him somewhere where it's like he's trying to get there. I don't know how, you know, whatever. Ralphie, take care of stuff till I get there, whatever. And then, boom, we forget about him. Until the end, he comes in. So yeah, that I didn't. The whole India thing was kind of weird. I I don't know. Could have made a real funny B story, where like he's stuck in a. I'm thinking of like Adventures and Babysitting or any of those movies where somebody's like stuck at a at a train station or stuck at a bus station. You know, like you could have had this whole story where because of the blizzards he can't get there, and then you know every ten minutes you cut to a one minute scene where something funny happens with him. He's trying to get home, you know. So I mean, there's a lot of things they could do. I I, I didn't think they did. I mean, they did. Great. They did do so many kind of throwbacks to the movie. Exactly, he's stuck somewhere to blizzard, and he's walking from, you know, to get on the bus, and he falls in the snowbank, and he's like, I can't get up. You know what I mean? And then it cuts back or something right, they like made that. Little funny you know what I mean? Out. So it's kind of a missed opportunity. Right. But you're um, right. There really was nothing for him because all of yeah. Ralphie's interactions were with like Flick and Schwartz, the parents, mm-hmm. you know, Randy was just kind of there and annoying. And if you listen to, you know, Shepard's stories, that's kind of how the relationship was. His whiny kid brother, he was annoying. Yeah. Now, another character that I'm dying to talk about is the credits. It just has her listed as Ma Parker, which sounds like a a hillbilly name or something, but it's the mom. It's, Mm -hmm. it's Mrs. Parker, Ralphie's mom. Uh, in the first movie, 
she was played by um i think it's melinda dylan yeah i think that's her name uh i and I, I one of the first movies along with star wars that i ever remember seeing was close encounters she's Great the movie. mom in close encounters yep. where the kid gets abducted you know and it's just like um this heart-wrenching scene you know but she is like mother of that story you know uh, and I know she was in other things. A Christmas Story would be the thing that I think most people know her. But she's also the mom in Harry and the Hendersons, <laughs> which I loved oh, growing that's up. That's right. I've only seen that movie once, I think. So I did not. Oh, even... I love that movie. I love that movie. And again, she's that kind of situation where she's the mom, and they're all trying to hide the Bigfoot from her, you know. And she's like, "What is this going on around?" You know, that sort of thing oh, like that. Okay. So it's same kind of role so she is that motherly person i gotta tell you as a kid huge crush on her like i don't know you know like when you're a kid you have a crush on a teacher or something yeah it's that kind of like when you're a kid and you're it's like oh it's the christmas story mom you know and and just maybe not crushing maybe not the right word but you know just like <clears throat> you feel like it's that motherly i kind wish of she thing. was my mom <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of like me i wish my mom would treat yeah. me that way now, logistics, I really don't know. I don't know when her birth date is, but I, I think she's in her 80s now. So so timeline-wise, it just doesn't work to have her be the mom anymore, right? So they bring in, to play the mom, uh, Julie Haggerty, who is, I only know her from one thing, well, two things if you count Airplane 2, um, but I only know her as, uh the woman from airplane and she plays this part as the mom completely wrong uh she plays it like the lady from airplane she plays it as this weird kind of itsy like she's lost in a haze now maybe you can attribute some of that stuff to you know the passing of her husband maybe you know it's supposed to be because it's uh, been 30 years that she's older but it doesn't feel like the same mom at all it doesn't feel like i mean not just her looks it doesn't feel like the same character at no. all yeah she's like ditzy but then she's kind of like vindictive you know she's like real um critical of ralphie's wife like there's there's like some mm -hmm. you know like you stole my little boy type of thing which maybe that's a backstory we don't know because obviously you know ralphie moved away from home out towards chicago you know, maybe, but we don't know that, but it's like, without knowing that, why are you having the character do that? Or with the carolers, like, I know the whole caroler, carolers, you know, scene was just for something funny, I guess, but right. I just, I almost feel like Ma Parker from the original would have enjoyed that. Like, okay. you, you, you know what I mean? Yes. So I... Earlier today, went back and I started watching the original Christmas story. Now, you and I both know that we've seen the original Christmas story literally hundreds of times, probably, um, but but not with a critical eye when comparing it to this film. Right. Right. On so the first five minutes of the original Christmas story, uh, the whole Parker family, mom, the old man, uh, and and both kids, it's showing. Well, it's the the kids at the beginning, but it's showing them downtown, and then all the whole family goes downtown that christmas thing and there are carolers all over the place and nobody says anything right so in this movie they do things that are character traits 
aren't from the original character and that's why it's so jarring and i'll give you an example that really bothered me was um at the beginning of the movie once uh, ralphie and his family arrive at his mom's house uh they she opens the fridge and we see that the entire refrigerator is full of casseroles because everybody from the family has brought uh, or everybody you know from town has brought casseroles because the old man has passed away. Can we can we talk and, about that scene? Actually, I was going, oh, crap. How am I going to get back to the casserole scene? <laughs> Let's talk. We will talk about okay. it. But but they, oh, the, the casseroles are weird. And there's a whole little scene where they all are trying weird casseroles. And then now this becomes a plot point at the very end of the movie. But at this moment, Alfie says, and you can't, we couldn't just throw them away because not under my mom's watch. I forgot, I wrote down the exact quote. It says, no one dared waste food in my mom's house. Okay, I went back and watched the original Christmas story. The very first scene, they're cooking breakfast. And the other kids are like, oh, it's time for breakfast. There's so much food left over. Like, they totally wasted food. Then there's the scene with, I mean, the, the one of the most famous scenes, which is... um. Uh, when Randy, she's trying to get him to eat the mashed potatoes and like be a pig. And I mean, that's just a huge waste of food. Uh, and then of course at the end, you know, when the bumpus dogs come in and knock over everything and she's, she's not upset that the food's been wasted. She's just upset because she spent all day preparing this meal. Yeah. It's like no point in the first movie. Did they ever say Oh, you don't ever waste. It's like they're referring to a joke that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? It's like if they go, oh, you remember my mom, we always take your shoes off. And then you go in the first movie, they never take their shoes off. So it's just like, it almost is like a different mom. It's just so weird. Um, this is, can I just say. And then, and then take us to the casseroles because I'm curious about this. Okay, well, um, the weird thing is, though, is that, you know, Peter Billingsley was in the original. He knows this movie. <laughs> right? So yes. I'm going, why? he couldn't. Why? I, the same thing. I'm questioning like this. There's so many things that are. Is it possible we know the original Christmas story better than Peter Billingsley? Is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is. Um, so the casserole uh, scene. Now, I took a little uh, video clip of it and I'm, I pause it. And I'm looking at it. I knew there had to be, they're all labeled by who brought them, right? And I'm assuming it's not because they want you to know, like, oh, I made this sausage casserole. It's because they want their dish back, right? It's how things were when we were younger. People, okay, but there's okay. names all over them. And I don't know what all these names uh, have um, reference to, but I know uh -huh. some of them, right? Like, there's one I'll, I'll point out. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Hickey. That's the first one I noticed. Hickey, right? So you go, oh, Hickey. Uh -huh. That's where Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden uh, Memories, right? So there's a there's a nod to one of Gene Shepard's books. Okay, what is that? Is that that's another one of his books? That's another one of his books. It's a bunch of short stories that are also uh, referenced for a Christmas story, right? Give you a Christmas story, like I said, was like Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories and. Um, uh, in God We Trust, all others pay cash. They were there were stories from those that made up the original uh, okay. movie. Um, so that's one that's that stuck out. Um, there's a couple that I can't read, um, and I know, I, like I said, I know that most of them have some sort of reference. Um, so then you have um, 
let's see, I'm going to scroll up here, Pulaski. Pulaski, I believe, in a lot of Gene Shepard stories were, uh, like, in, I think it was a drugstore or something. I know there was Pulaski's. It was either, mm-hmm. a, it was either like, a, a corner store or something, so... Um, there's one Bry Fogel, I don't know the reference to that, but then you get to the, the, basically the top of it. Right. And this is where I'm like, oh, okay. Shepard makes sense. Oh, it's a nod to Gene <laughs> Shepard. This is all comes sure. from him. Shields is right next to him. Mrs. Shields, the teacher who wasn't there. And then on the oh. bottom, on the bottom right underneath those is Clark, who was, uh, the director of the, the, the very first Bob Clark, right? Bob Clark. Yeah. yeah. Who, you know, famously was listening to Gene Shepard's radio show in New York and was like, whoa, I need to make this. And then there was a whole thing with, you know, Porky's and, you know, Porky's 2 and said, hey, let me make this movie. I'll make Porky's 2 or whatever. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I'm I, going to, after, you know, the next couple of days, I'm going to write these names down and do some research. I just, I personally just want to know, you know, what are some of these? Are. Like there's one, there's ones that seem like Gertz and Fenton, like, like they could have been names and stories because a lot of the stories he would tell on his radio show um, would reference the same people, right? Schwartz and Flick are always in it. Scott Farkas, always in I didn't even think about this. That's, you know, that's brilliant that so, you caught that. I so when I saw even... that, I'm like, there's got to be yeah. some references to these names. Along those same lines, uh, there's a thing, and maybe they did this when we were younger and I just never noticed it, but there's a thing that I always notice in movies now uh, that um, there will be a scene in a movie where it'll show someone and you go, that is somebody famous. I don't know who it is. I don't know who this person is, but this is a cameo of some sort. And one of the ones I remember, there was multiple times that happened in this movie. One that I remember is when uh, Ralphie's daughter gets hit in the face with a snowball. He gets, she gets hit in the eye so hard that she had, they have to go to the emergency room or the late night uh, uh, doctor thing. And um, it cuts to a scene of a guy wearing a sweater and his hand is stuck in a jar. And he's trying to pull his hand out of the jar and it goes on for like, I mean, five to 10 seconds. Like it's more than just a guy in the mm-hmm. background. It's like this guy, like I should know who this guy is. And then it cuts to a kid and they're like, don't stare at that man. And then the girl comes out of the doctor's office. She's got the eye patch or whatever. And then it cuts back to that guy for another five seconds. So I don't know if that's the director, the director's brother. I don't know who that is. And I tried to Google like, who is, I mean, I'm sure in six months it'll be out who that is. Somebody will, will maybe put, <laughs> yeah, put that in IMDb trivia or something. Right. But, um, but yeah, it, there was a couple times where I'm like, uh, not necessarily, I don't know, maybe when they were Christmas shopping, but there were a couple times where there would just be like somebody sitting next to them in frame the whole time. And you go, that's got to be the director's wife. It's somebody because it's like they're they're just on screen for too long to not be somebody. Right, and they did it in the first movie, you know, like I, uh, Swede, when 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 the they're looking at the lamp from outside. That's Bob Clark, the director. Yes. And yeah, then, and then yep, you're right. And then you've got Gene Shepard himself, um, in the original, where he's like the uh, the line starts there, you know, or yep. ends. So 
we we had it in in uh, those movies. So I thought it was weird. I didn't think of it till till you said that today, and then I so then I kind of I didn't I watched the movie once and then I skimmed through it today real quick because I was mm-hmm. like, well, maybe we'll record tonight or tomorrow depending on scheduling. And I'm like, oh, we're gonna do it tonight, so I don't have time to watch it. And I was like, yeah, I don't I don't know. But like you said, it it it, it, it might come out at some at some yeah. at some yeah. point. Somebody else said it. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, in, in uh, speaking of callbacks, in the first movie, there's a couple of things. One is the furnace. The furnace is always, uh, you know, he, the old man's always fighting with the furnace in the house and um, the damn to, uh, to a lesser, yeah, lesser extent, the car, but more, it's more about the furnace. Uh, and in this movie, it's the radiator in Ralphie's car. The radiator is Ralphie's sworn enemy. Uh, he tells the kids the only thing he wants for Christmas is a radiator. Um, so this kind of becomes a little background story. Um, but the car overheats multiple times. And to solve this problem, he pulls over. His wife gives him a raw egg, which he opens the radiator and cracks the egg and puts inside the radiator uh, to keep the radiator from, uh, I guess, to, to Probably from plug the, the hole. Or something. Yeah. Is that something you had ever heard of before this movie? No. And <laughs> okay, me either. No. And I would also think the way they, you know, just had an egg readily available, like there's something to do. How many eggs can you do this with? Like how many, maybe this is like something, <laughs> if this is even, even, if this is even a thing that you can do, like okay. how I many Googled eggs it can you put it in? And it said, in? don't do this. <laughs> like I, I found a website and it said, you, sh- it said the only time, and this was just the first one I found. It said the only time you should do this, if you are stuck in the desert and you only have one bottle of water left to live before you die, and you also happen to have an egg, that's when it would be okay to do this. But it said an egg might or might not stop your radiator from leaking. But once the egg goes through your heating coil and everything else, it's going to be bad news. So you would only do it once. So the fact that they drive around with a dozen eggs, I'm, and and I'm not uh, making fun of it from a a realistic point of view. Right. Like whether I was just literally, I was like, I have, and believe me, I had piece of crap cars with leaky radiators. <laughs> like I, if I'd have known this when I was 16, I would have probably, I'd have put scrambled eggs down in there if I thought it'd help, you know, but I just, I'd I never, just, ever heard of this. I just had to add antifreeze to my, my other car. I should yeah. have just got an egg. Should just got like omelet flavor. They should make omelet flavor. Yeah, but it, but it was funny. <laughs> it, it definitely was funny. Well, it's funny and, and it's funny and and that's the thing. They go through the movie and obviously there's differences because the old man died and that's that's the whole point of this movie is is the whole point is that there's all this pressure on Ra- or uh, on on Ralphie to uh, to make Christmas special because the old man did it. And one thing we haven't mentioned yet that we both kind of talked about um, and I. And again, I'm going to reference and I and I'm reference some radio shows of his and stories. But is that it's like it's it, you would think that his father was like this great pillar of the, of the community, right? That everyone loved his dad. And and what we get from just the movie alone, right, is that he's just a normal schlub working guy. I didn't pick up on this until right. you mentioned it. The minute you said it, I was like, "You are so right." I mean. 
uh, you just mentioned like all the casseroles. Like when he goes to the bar, the whole bar is like, here's to the old man. And he was go. a great man. He was a great man. And it's like, right. you know, I, like I said to you this morning, you know, I, Schwartz and Flick to say that. I mean, wh- what is their reasoning for saying that? Like from if you're basing it off of what the audience has seen from the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're going I don't see it. Which I mean, is all he, you can assume. You can't assume everybody's read all the books or listened to the radio. You've got to go by the movies. Right. So you're going, I don't I don't get it. Like, are they saying this? Your dad was such a great man because of because he got you a BB gun? Like, that thought in their head is no longer there two weeks after Christmas oh. back in the 40s. Like, it doesn't mean anything no. to them like it did to Ralphie. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was kind of like, wow, everyone's just like, like, so that was kind of weird. That that was that was kind of weird, um, it, you know. Referencing some of the shows and stories, you know. Yeah, there was, you know, there's a story in in Wanda Hickey's where, you know, they're going camping and, and they look forward to this camping trip, Ralphie, for forever, and you can't wait to fish, right? And he, they're they're, they're like halfway to their their cabin, and uh, he realizes, oh crap, I I forgot to pack the fishing gear. You know, my dad's going to be mad. And, and his dad, when he tells him, he was upset. And the whole drive to this thing is like, is is the old man annoyed about one thing after another? They get a flat tire and he's pissed off. He's, you know, be, he's he's literally, and these are from the stories, right? So, and these right. stories are based off the same characters, basically. You know, he, he tells the mom twice in this one story to shut up, shut up, will you? <laughs> you know, he tells Randy, shut up or I'm going to smack you. Well, at the end of the story, it, you know, it comes up that the old man actually packed the fishing gear on top of the car. You didn't see me do it. So <laughs> the rest of the time in the story, and I love these stories, but the rest of the, I'm trying to relate it to this, this, this persona, right, is where is this coming from? It, you know what I'm saying? To me, in the stories, he just seems, and in the original movie, your average old man you know like kind of grumbly and wanted to have his no, relaxed time and don't touch the damper and you know what i mean but i'll do what i can do for my family the original christmas story um ralphie sticks up for himself uh to a bully comes home and then what is randy's response to that is he's hiding under the thing and yeah. the ball goes what are you doing and he goes it's gonna kill ralphie you know so and that's not a, a response. You're like, like he wouldn't say, dad's going to give Ralphie an award. You know what I mean? Like he's worried that the dad's old man's going to come home and beat Ralphie. So there must be some precedence for that. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, my, uh, um, one of my, my good buddies, his mom passed away earlier this year. Uh, and so, I mean, this is a, a friend of mine that I've known my whole life. I mean, we met before before we started going to kindergarten. He lived in my neighborhood, you know. So so we've been friends uh, our entire lives. And his mom was super great, and it was like uh, like a second mom. You know what I mean? Like, I spent a lot of time at their house. He spent a lot of time at my house. But and when she passed away... There were people from her church and people from her friends, but the whole town didn't bring things over. You know, the whole, like, like we went out to, you know, a bar at one point, and, and the whole bar was like, here's to your buddy's mom. You know what I mean? It right. just, it, it did, they they built it up like he was like this town hero. 
And you're absolutely right. Like I said, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't catch it the first time, but, uh, it, it, it's kind of a, it was kind of a weird take. Um, I, I have a couple other things on my list sure. um, that I wanted to get to. One was, uh, there's uh well, there's a, a few different things to get to, but one was, you kind of now have this conflict because now Ralphie is, uh, taking the helm of Christmas, right? Like he's, there's no more the old man. He's the oldest man of the house, of the of the family. And so he's in charge of getting the Christmas tree, which we talked about. And then there becomes a scene where they're going to put the angel on top of the tree. And mom doesn't have an angel. Mom has a star. So now he makes up this story, this thing where he's like, you know, around these parts, if you ain't got a star, Santa ain't going to come. Yeah. By the way, never give an ultimatum to a kid about Santa. Or, or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or how about this? Well, we're not <laughs> at home. We're at grandma's, and that's what she uses as a star. Right. She's got a star. Um, But I I wanted to, I don't know. I don't know what your traditions were and what they are for your family now and if they're important at all, but uh, uh, I mean, as far as what goes on top of the tree, you know, but when I was a kid, he had some angel that I remember like the angel was holding two little, it was supposed to be like candles and it was like two little LED yes. things. Yes. <laughs> we, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, we've had that on our tree every year of my life. I mean, at my mom's house or my parents' house every year they had, and I don't know where it came from. It was something that they had. That was that was on uh, the tree every year. Um, I don't really know what's what we put on top of our tree. It's just not that important to me, you know. But about ten years ago, when they started coming out with all this new Star Wars stuff, uh, they came out with a Yoda that looked like Santa, and it was a tree topper. I I bought one. It all lights up and everything, you know. And he's got like a little Santa hat, and but it's Yoda. And I was like, we could put this on the tree. And my wife was like, you get that out of here. Get that away from that tree. That's sacrilegious. You don't, you know. And so I I didn't really realize that it was that important to people <laughs> what they put on top of the tree. But I was, uh, it, it was explained to me in very clear detail uh, that we would not have Yoda on top of our tree. I was just curious what you guys had as a kid and, and what you have now. Yeah. So as a kid, we had, um, it was a tree topper and I, and, and, uh, I think it, it almost looked like, uh, so it had a bulb and then it had like this, um, it, it's, it's hard to explain, but basically the, it, it had this thing that kind of sat on top of this bulb. Right. And it had like a little like pin on it. So the heat from the bulb would, because back then it wasn't LED, you know, they were little tiny bulbs that probably used a thousand watts or something back then. You right. know, but they That's why off. we had house fires yeah. back then around but, Christmas. Yeah. But, it, but it threw <laughs> off enough heat to where this thing would start to spin just slowly. It would spin on top and it had oh. images on it, you know, and it would kind of project it or whatever. But it lit up these images. And I think they were, you know, like I can't remember exactly what they were. I remember it was like blue and different pictures or whatever, probably religious or something. So that's what we had as as uh, as a kid, kid, and then my parents got you know divorced. My mom got remarried. She, uh, I think she put one of them angels with the with the little light bulbs in her hands, and <laughs> and that's actually what Nicole and I ended up using for a long time. 
until a couple years ago, we'd go antiquing a lot. And, you know, I love old stuff, whether it be 70s, 80s, or you go back to Ralphie's childhood time in the 40s, 30s, anything old, retro, vintage. And we found these really cool star toppers that have like tinsel on them and then the lights blink differently, but they're like we had them in the original box. Like these things are probably from the 50s or 60s. And that's what we have now. So, you know, Nicole and I got the one probably because we had no money. We're like, oh, this one's only six bucks. All right, looks good. You know, and and, <laughs> yeah. and I always felt weird because you had to shove, <laughs> shove the stuff up into the angel to get it. And it would like sit weird. Oh. And you're like cramming it and you're like bending the right. branches so that they, they were not friendly to like, you know, put on uh, easily. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but yes, again, they easily could have said we're at grandma's. Shut up, kid. Yeah, that's what she yeah. uses. But 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 it was a setup for for basically toward to the end end of the movie, right? Where we get introduced to some some more characters. Um, but be, so we'll get into that. But let's take a step back. They go to Higby's, right? Just like he did. The kids go mm-hmm. see Santa, just like they did. It's got the big slide and whatnot and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, his daughter's questioning Santa and. You know, what are the geographical, Grilling you know, yeah, to find out if he's really Santa. And uh, the thing he passes is she's like, star, angel or star? And he's like, Indiana star. And she's like, you are Santa. But so at this point, Ralphie, uh, they were going to go ice skating, right? The day before or something, the wife loves ice skating. She fell, couldn't go. So now she's all banged up on crutches. So. Ralphie's mom is like, I'm going to go to the lounge. Uh, and then she goes with her. So Ralphie's on his own. So now this is a point where I'm like, okay, I get why he's in charge. You know, mom's too old to be doing it and shouldn't be doing it. They're grandkids. The wife is all banged up. Let her have a little time with the mother-in-law who clearly doesn't really care for it that much. I'll go do it. And he does it. And it's, you know, there's the antics between all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. They put all the, they get everything, they get it in the trunk, and we're seeing every piece of whatever they got, right? And and the kids have hungry, hungry hippos. <laughs> yeah, and the kids have specific things that they want because they're asking the yeah. kids, you know, we want Chris. The kids wants a sled. Um, she wants easy bake oven. Okay, so we'll fast forward. We're, they're done. They're on their way home. That's where the snowball incident happens because the car breaks down just like it did. Coming back, you know, with the old man, he got the flat tire. Um, they have to go to the hospital, that whole scene. Well, before they go to the hospital, you see the trunk kind of pops open. And, of course, you know someone's going to steal. So someone steals all the presents. So that leads into this whole thing. He doesn't know what he's going to do and the money, yada, yada, yada. Christmas Eve, the star breaks, right? And they, they've they been trying to play off with the kids because they're strapped. They ain't got no money. Of like, look, we're thinking maybe this Christmas we'll we'll focus on gratitude is more than presents. And the kids are like, you freaking kidding me? Seriously? <laughs> yeah, they're not having that. Right. And so then the star breaks on Christmas Eve, and they're just like, that's it. It's it's done. No Santa. No Santa. You broke the, the star broke. It's all over. So he is like, I got to get a star. He's trying to find some places. Remember, sees Flicks, goes in, and he breaks into Flicks. And... uh Grabs the star, comes out. There's a cop waiting for him. I like this scene. I liked, uh, we, you know, I, I knew it was going to be who it was going to be only because I knew this person was in the movie. Like, 
uh, you know, the guy who played uh, Scott Farkas. I had read he was in it, and we hadn't seen him yet. And I'm like, it would only be fitting, right? Right. And of course it is. I liked how when he was standing in front of him in the cop uniform, and then he transformed into... See, this is what I thought they did really well. They they yeah. went back to Scott Farkas as a kid, except for it was still the adult just in the same clothes and they merged them back and I, forth. Instead of showing, you know, the scene with he had yellow eyes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. I loved yes. how they no, did that. No, I agree. That. I agree. This part was good. Yep. I loved how they did that. Um, the uh, uh, So, Marcus basically throws Ralphie in the car, in the back of his car. He thinks he's he's going to jail. He thinks Farkas is going to get revenge from all these years. Yeah. Um, and then we learn that Farkas, you know, grew up. And I've had experiences that went both ways. I mean, there's a few people that I went to high school with that were just big jerks. And I have seen them later on Facebook and, and even run into them. And it turns out that they grew up, you know, and, and one of the things that it's easy to forget is like my daughter, uh, who right now has green hair and, and all these things that I'm just like, oh, she's a kid, you know, uh, she is 17. She's, she's a senior in high school. So when I knew these people, they were seniors in high school. And I certainly am not the same person that I was when I was 17. You know, when I was 17, I thought I was going to be a professional break dancer. So, you know, it's just At 17. You thought that, uh, no, I, I, I mean, that, the, that passed for, for me probably ninja, when I was like 12. <laughs> maybe it was, maybe I was on the skateboard. I was going to be, yeah, let's say, I think it was but, probably skateboarding, but, but you know what I mean? Like, like, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you forget when you were that age, you felt like you were grown up, but when you see other people, like when I see 17 year olds, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're, they're children. You know, they're, they're not who they're going to be as an adult. So I did like, cause I, I'm telling you when I was watching that scene, I could have seen it going either way. I could have seen him locking him up. And, and uh, actually what I thought was going to happen was he was going to get arrested and um, uh, Randy was going to bail him out. Randy was going to come back. And that's what I thought oh. where it was going. So I was a bit surprised that Farkas um, and then you had a good point. I'm going to lead you into here in a second, uh, about Farkas and his kids. Um, but there's, there's a, a dopey thing that they do in movies that doesn't happen in real life is that he thinks he's going to jail. And then finally he's like, look out the window and he goes, Oh, we're at my house. Okay. You know where you live. I mean, and he lived in this small town and he knows how to get to the bar that he walked to just like, so you would not be surprised that he is at his house. Well, that's a little detail. I could overlook it and, and maybe he's not paying attention. Maybe his brain is somewhere. Well, that's what I was going to say. So I'm going to help you overlook that because while he's in the car, he's doing what so Ralph does in this movie what he does in the original Christmas story is where he imagines these things like we all do and and you play these scenarios out in your head like we've all done and probably still do. And they, they do it in a way in the movies. They do it the same way in this movie. I mean, we've, we get, uh, we get a, 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 a black Bart coming back. It's a different scene, right? But we get 
that whole thing where he's the Western kind of thing. So he's doing another one of those where he's in the car going, I'm going to get arrested. Uh, I'm not going to see my family. And, you know, now he's in, seen himself in jail. He's got long hair and a beard. And the family is the family has grown <laughs> up and the daughter's pregnant. The son is talking like he's British <laughs> punk guy. You know what I mean? So so that's why he's being the Ralphie that we've seen in the previous and up until now in this movie of a guy who gets in his head because he's the storyteller, right? He's a writer. He's a storyteller. That's why I think when, when they stop, Scott Farkas is actually the one who goes, we're here. We're, this is your house. And there's something like that. And then he's like, oh, so I was okay with that. I was okay with that. Cause it was funny how I like those little montages. I really liked the one in the beginning where mom's like, you're in charge of this. And he's like, oh, you know, I, you got to do all these things. And they start showing like the Norman Rock, Rockwell paintings and this and that. But they're, yeah, that you know, well. I really well. like yep. that kind of thing. I think they, they somewhat overdid some of the music that we had in the begin, the, the original, like where everything sped up. They did it, I think, mm-hmm. twice. They did it once when they're at Flicks to go to the ramp. I thought it was fine, but there was the, they did it in the part where the carolers were there and the family sneaking out the back. They overplayed it. Too many times and they could have eliminated it in the first one i thought but um yeah but yeah i i i liked it you know he kind of did that thing where he was like look man i i i like this part he but then it contradicts itself <laughs> which is what yeah. you were referring to is he says look um you know i was trying to be like my old man this is scott farkas saying telling Del ralphie like you helped me because after all that i kind of thought about it and you know, I was always trying to be a tough guy like my dad or whatnot, and I didn't want to take that route. And, you know, he said, no, look at me. I'm a good guy. But in the movie, the kids, just like Randy and and, and Ralphie and, and Flick and Schwartz, you know, are getting tormented by Scott Farkas and, and Grover Dill. Now his kids are getting kind of bullied in a different way with the, with the uh, Bumpus kid that lives next door kind of comes and hangs out with them. Every time they build a snowman, these kids come out of nowhere on a snowmobile and plow through it, right? And uh, at one point, they're kind of making him, I think, say mercy or uncle or something. I don't think it's yeah. uncle. It's like say mercy or something. Mercy. Well, yeah. it ends up being he, Scott Farkas, uh, mentioned somehow that his kids, you know, destroyed their uh, snowmobile that day, which that whole scene, you know, I, I I didn't notice that the tree there was a tree stump that had been cut down in the front yard until after and I kind of skimmed through but the daughter and the son make a snowman on top of it so that they'll drive and hit it and you had said like yeah that's not cool <laughs> like that's not cool it's just like 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 when I was teaching my daughter how to drive this year you know and I'm like not that she was going to but I go look when you get you're a teenager on your own as tempting as it might be to drive through that giant pile of leaves on the side of the road. Don't. And I think this is one of those, oh, check your app, your candy, because there's someone put a, a razor blade in an apple or in the candy. You know, mm-hmm. don't drive through them because, one, there could be a kid hiding in there <laughs> mm-hmm. or someone put a, a cinder block in there. Um, <clears throat> so this is one of the things they plow through, and, and she, they built a, a snowman around the, the stump, and they crash it. <laughs> I mean, I would be so pissed off if i was ralphie or if i was scott either parent i'm pissed right because you know i mean that that is not one of those um 
gosh, I guess we learned our lesson things. Like, there's going to be a lawsuit yeah. <laughs> involved in that, you that, know? Well, this, that, um, that, that's, a, that's a whole thing of going like, okay, so my sons drove their snowmobile through a snowman twice. So it's okay to, to put something in the snowman? <laughs> like, I don't see the logic here. I, uh, I I mentioned this a um, long time ago on a podcast, uh, the podcast about the creek, uh, which was the creek that ran behind my house, and all the kids who had yards that backed up to the creek had built forts, and so I had a fort, and uh, and a PVC pipe. Other... Yes, I had a PVC pipe that I peed in that ran out the back into the creek. But at one point, I was like, I don't want people breaking into my fort. So I had a doorway. What I orig- or, uh, did was I put a piece of wood over the doorway so it looked like it was just a box. It didn't look like a fort, you know. And if you knew which panel it was, uh, there was a rope on the other side of it. And so you would lower it down almost like a drawbridge and go in, and then you would pull the rope, and it would close back up, you know. So that was like my little secret defense on the, on the fort. And my next door neighbors, they had a fort right on the on the back uh, uh, edge of the creek, and uh, there were all these trees around it. And so what they did around their fort was two things. Number one, uh, they put pieces of two by four and they put nails through it and then buried it in the dirt. So <laughs> if you were walking, you might step on a nail like this is the, all of a sudden Vietnam jungle warfare. I thought you were going to say like they put was, those uh, punji sticks or whatever. <laughs> the other thing they did was, you know how they have, it's like a weed, but it will grow and then it's almost like a tree. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's grown so long, you know, but it's still real wobbly. And they had put bricks like up in the, the edge, like between a branch. So if you were climbing up on the tree and you pulled on one of those to pull yourself up, it would fall on a brick would hit you in the head. Jeez. And I mean, <laughs> the minute a parent found out, they were like, go take that down. You can't, you can't have bricks and nails. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just, it was one step too far. You know, like you're not going to send a kid to the uh, emergency room that loses his foot. And you're like, well, that's what he gets for going on technically not our property but near something that we built out of scrap wood like it's yeah. just dumb you know so yeah I, you know the first time a kid breaks his neck and you go out there and you're like what happened and and they go oh <laughs> we built a snowman around a tree <laughs> well yeah you're gonna be in trouble yeah and it and, just escalated <laughs> and that, and that was the whole thing was like you know, here's this kid who was his dad was obviously not the greatest influence, and he tried to, you know, kind of recreate that in himself, and then realized after getting his lumps uh, from Ralphie that he didn't want to be that way, so he became good. But now his kids are a little crapheads. But you know, we all think our kids are perfect, right? <laughs> so, yeah. and I and I would assume like you're a cop, you're probably not thinking your kids are gonna do crappy things or whatever, but. Um, but when they were dragging parts of that snowmobile home, he wasn't too happy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, yeah. So I liked, I liked that we, you did see Grover Dill briefly in his, his, uh, jail montage that he did when he went to prison. Uh, yeah. he, he was in it with, uh, Scott Farkas and then he punches him like they did in the original movie. <laughs> and then that's it. Like, it's like, okay, that was perfect, man. You know, perfect little, uh, hey, here I am, too, and, and done. I wonder what he got paid for that two seconds yeah, of airtime. That's good. It was good that they included him, you know. 
Uh, did you have anything to say about uh, the scene at Schwartz's bar where um, uh, he gets into the fight with Flick and he's like, you've got this bar tab. and, and uh, Oh, Schwartz, you mean? I thought it's, isn't it Schwartz's bar? No, it's Flick's bar. Oh, is it? Okay. Schwartz. Maybe I got, I got it mixed around. Well, you know what's funny is I would have thought it would have been the other way around. I would have thought Flick would have been kind of the, like, I can't pay my tab, and Schwartz would have been the business guy, but. Oh. Uh, when they go out to the back, and he's like, so they get into this, they get into a little tiny argument over that because there wasn't any corn nuts or whatever you know pork and rinds then he's like yeah there's some pork rinds and so he's like you know what you want to erase your tab uh i've built this giant jump of death out behind the bar for no reason and i'm gonna triple dog dare you to go down it and jump in a off of a sled uh I don't, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or whatever. Well, I had it in my notes. And, and all I thought was, when I was four, I mean, I'm, I'm almost 50 now. I'm, I'm going to be 50 next year. But even when I was 40, I was starting to get at the point where my body just does not do what it used to do. Right. And I would be like, if, if my options are to jump off this deathly jump thing, or come up with enough money to cover for 20 or 30 beers. I think I'm just going to pay for the beers. Right, yeah. So I know you're getting at, like, <laughs> do you let, like, that kind of uh, peer pressure get to us now? Especially for something. No, I, I'm not. But, um, so, who knows? I guess Schwartz is just a bum now, I guess. You know what I mean? He can't keep his tab. It's like he just keeps adding and adding and adding it to it. And, uh, yeah, so he says, yeah, if you, you go down the ramp, I'll clear your uh, I'll clear your tab. So the ramp is actually wasn't behind, it wasn't something flick built. It was it was said to be like an old military installation for some reason. It's like a is that what it was? Yeah, it's almost like a like a like a long jump kind of uh, you know you'd see in the Olympics, but in the smaller yeah. version. So yeah, he and so he doesn't double dog dare or triple dog dare him. He just says I'll pay, you know you pay your I'll clear your tab if you do it. So he's like. oh. All right, I'll do it because he wants his tab cleared. Well, then he gets there to climb up it, and he kind of panics, and he's like, "He's not. He's like, no way, I'm not gonna do it." And that's when Flicks like right. throws out the oh, triple dog dare you. But yes, still at that age, I'm going great. <laughs> you quadruple however many times you want to dog dare me. I ain't doing it. You know what I mean? You're laying so. in the emergency room, but they all your bones are broken. Then they're like, well, what, why would you do that? And you go, he triple dog dared me. Right. But, you know, it's like, I guess it just shows the importance because in the original movie, it was like, if you didn't do a triple dog dare, like you, you're banished, right? And they kind of say the same thing in this movie. So right. I get it. They I, Another kind of throwback to the original movie, but. I'm going to say that scene, and that's not the only scene, but there were a lot of scenes in this movie it made me think the tone of this movie is different than the tone of the first movie. And I think the tone of this movie is much more cartoonish. Yeah. This feels more like a cartoon kind of comedy. Um, when the wife slips and hurts her ankle, when, 
uh, you know, going down the sled thing, uh, you know, just all these different things that are like kind of physical comedy or kind of jokey kind of things. Like the first one seemed realistic to me. Like the first one seems like it could happen exactly well, that way. And this one doesn't really feel that way. Right. And I and you said it earlier, it's like you're watching it and it's relatable. And it is, even though it's based in the 40s. When we were younger, it, there were so many things, you know, wanting that one present for Christmas, um, having that kid at school that just keeps giving you a hassle or, or you just don't want to deal with. Right. Um, to, yeah, the old man with 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 with, you know, whether it was you wanted to help your father do something to be part of it or you were forced to do it like he was. You know what I mean? Like you just you're related to all that stuff again with the orphan anything it was just different like you said cereal boxes this one right now this is for us because our kids are not going to relate to it if they even can watch an entire movie anymore um there's no <laughs> like the kid wants a freaking sled and I, so let me just uh so yeah i don't think it's i think it's for us i don't think our kids would would relate to it in any way but um i got to say something about this sled okay so um, I like the whole quote the ramp thing because I I live in Buffalo outside of Buffalo right so we get the snow we just had a massive storm I grew up right around the corner from the Niagara River like one street in from the Niagara River and where I lived um, Adam and Gibson is the or yeah Gibson there's a hill at the river called the Yellow Rocks the Bombers Rock it's not a giant hill but it, as a kid growing up it was pretty big. But it was big enough, and I took my kids to learn to, you know, to go sledding because there's a perfect hill of like you go down, you get some good speed. If someone's standing in front of you, you're gonna knock them and they're gonna go flying. But it's also not so big that you have to like carry your kids' stuff up. Like you, you know what I mean? So like when I was a kid, you know, my brother and I, the grandkids that lived across the street, we all went there and would go sledding all day long. Now. When you went there, there was a little road that drove down on the, so it kind of like went between the hill. It split the hill into two. To the right was where everyone went, sledding families, kids, but to the left, that's where Kamikaze Hill was. That's <laughs> that's where like my brother and I think Brian, the older grandbrother, and my Steve Dolt, my neighbor, they would build a ramp and then they'd slick the ramp and make it, you know, and then like you had to go down between like a couple bushes and maybe a little tree branch or something. So it was kind of like, you know what I mean? It was like the danger hill. That was our quote, the ramp. So that was super relatable and, and I liked it. Completely different, but the idea of like, oh, you're going out Kamikaze Hill. And uh, I think there was another hill we had down a little ways called Suicide, which was like right through the trees. So I never did that. <laughs> but um, but here's the thing. Every once in a while, you'd get some kids that would come that you didn't know, and they would want to go down Kamikaze Hill. And one of those sled, those sleds that are in this movie with the metal rails are a complete and utter no-no. No, 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 because they cut through the snow. They, you know, I get it back in the forties. Those were the things they didn't have poured, pla you know, formed plastic sleds that would slide for miles. Like right. those things destroyed ramps when you would make them. <sighs> so you'd get pissed as a kid. Like, no, you can't go down on that because you knew it was going to go down and dig and then hit the ramp. So this whole time, right. but I remember getting sleds, you know, as a kid, you know, obviously we, I don't know if you, 
you probably don't never even heard of it, but it was like called the GT Racer sled. And it was basically you sat on it. It had a seat, almost like not a banana seat, but the ones that are kind of like a banana seat where it's longer, but but squared like like a rectangle. Like you sat on it and then you put your feet on these two like little skis and then the front steered with a ski. And that was the GT mm-hmm. racer. Like it was the the rage. Like I don't think I even ever saw anybody other than commercials. Nobody had it because it was probably that sled that cost, you know, $65 right. or whatever. But we would get the, the normal plastic. Obviously, everyone had the saucer, which saucers suck because you just go down spinning and you want to see where you're going. But those poured ones that you could sit and stretch your legs out or lay, we would always lay on them and go down head first. You know what I mean? So I'm going to tell you a funny story. Uh, I didn't know anybody who had a sled that looked like that. The ones with the rails. Uh-huh. I didn't know anybody that had one of those. Like everybody I knew just had one of the saucer ones, you know, but one year for Christmas when I was a little kid, uh, I don't remember if my parents got these for us or what, but it was like, I want you to imagine this, a sheet, very thin plastic, hard, hard, uh, bendable, very bendable. Right. Did it kind of fold up? It had like two little, cutouts in the top for your hands yes yeah those they were blue <laughs> and they were rolled up like a pipe almost, yes you know, so yes you can carry it somewhere and the thing is if you i mean it's like in a, a sitcom where you pull down the window shade and then you let it go and it goes blah, 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 like that like every time you let go of it, it would do that it would roll back up into a tube so you had to like lay it out flat I remember like always trying to like hold it out and then run and jump and land on it. But then you let it go and it'd go whoop <laughs> and roll up and you could never land on it. But we had those and they were terrible. That's what me and my sister had was, was those. And then we had a, uh, we had one saucer uh, sled and uh, I remember, and it was like, we'd got it out of the garbage. Like someone had thrown it away because you, it had like two plastic handles and yep. ours only had one handle. <laughs> so yeah, was it, but, was it red with the, uh, the, the yellow red. strap handles? Absolutely. That's yeah. what it was. We, we had so. that. And then we had a, a metal one. Now, while I'm talking, if you, Ooh. if you're able to, uh, open your Voxer, I sent you a picture of yeah. the 1980s version of the GT snow racer. Um, but anyways, we had the red saucer with the yellow strap handles, and then we had a metal one that had leather leather straps, and that was that was our shield. Like that's you would use that as a shield when you played say, like that swords and everything. Like a, like a weapon. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Oh, I'm looking at this thing. This thing is so cool. Yeah, if you just Google 19, you got to Google 1980s because they still have it, but it's it's more aerodynamic. Now you want to look at the barbaric one, man. You gotta you gotta do a search for 1980s GT snow racer sled. Um, it was simple. If you see what I mean about the seat, and it had a steering wheel <laughs> that turned the front ski. Like no, I don't. <laughs> I honestly don't think I ever saw one of these in the wild. But I saw commercials. But I live up north, so we would see them more. But uh, anyways, we always we always run long, and I know we still got some more stuff to say. But so let's let's fast forward, okay? Um, uh, Scott Farkas takes him home. It's Christmas morning. They wake right. up, you know, and they had a little bit of cash, like twenty bucks, which I'm assuming in 1973 you could stretch it a little further than you could now. I don't even think you could fill a stocking with twenty bucks now <laughs> nowadays. Right. But um. Two people at Taco Bell. Yeah, there's uh, so there's presents all over. 
they're excited and they're reading the labels and it's like, you know, I don't even remember what the kid's name was, you know, to Billy from grandpa and, you know, this and that. And they're like, and it comes out that the mom is like, when I went in the basement to fix the fuse, cause the night before they blew a fuse and she's like, this is the fact I actually don't talk about that. It's kind of silly. She's like the fuse blows. Ralphie's going to go fix it. She's like, no, I got to get used to doing this stuff. I got to figure it out myself. Like you don't just go figure out in the middle of the dark, how to fix a fuse, but regardless, (laughs) yeah, regardless, she went downstairs and, and quote, found these presents. Okay. So it happens as they're opening. It's the sled. It's the easy bake. It's all those things that these kids wanted. Right. And she's like, your father, it's almost as though he was Chris Kringle himself, the dad. That's the way they make I, him out to be. That he's that's magical, wonderful Christmas guy. And it's like, dude, he didn't know shit during the first movie, other than he bought the kid a BB gun. Well, I had one as a kid, I, you know. Um, I do like that we saw the thanks a lot, the bowling ball up in the attic when we see the bowling right. ball. <laughs> yeah. You know what I like? I like that we saw the Red Rider BB gun, and we just saw it for a brief second. That's it. He didn't pull it up and. Then I no. then I wouldn't have wanted an imaginary story. I, I like you just seen it. That same with the same with the rabbit suit. I guess I enjoy. I mean, you got to do the callbacks right because that's what the people want. But like, and you see the lamp, the Christmas lamp. What are the just, odds? Just that, the shade, though. Yeah, but what are the odds you would have a lamp shade from a lamp that got broken and thrown away? You're not. 30 years and ago. what's the chance you're going to have the bunny suit and that's the thing too when you see the bunny suit you you hear a, a, a quote from right. the movie and it's like those are the things i think it's like we don't need that if you're going to show right. them to show them let them graze across i'm okay with that him and looking across the attic yeah. and seeing them but we don't need those audio or visual chimes from the from the original movie mm. anyways let's yeah. let's go back to christmas morning all these gifts, right, from 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 the dad. So the mom says, right. So now, are we are we supposed to believe that he actually? Because she's like, he must have bought these before he passed last week or whenever he did. Okay. Are we supposed to believe that that's actually what happened, or did mom buy, go out and buy him somehow in the time that they didn't see? Because here's the thing: it's everything that the kids wanted. And the parents didn't even know what the kids wanted. So how would the grandfather, if he did buy him the old man, know? The only one that would know is the mom because she saw it all in the trunk. But then where? how did she get out to get it? So the... This is like an unsolved mystery. It is. It is. Oh, I hate that. That that theme music is so creepy. It's so creepy. Two presents appear. Um, In the beginning of the movie, before... Uh, the old man passes away. We see the kids, and this is a super nostalgic moment that we skipped over, but we see the kids going through the Christmas catalog, circling what they want. And I, I mean, I related to that. I did that yes, every yes. year. You know, everybody got the Steers book or the Jay-Z mine was the brand. Mine whatever. was the brand names catalog, but yeah. And you'd get it. You would go through and you'd be like, I want this and I want, th- and you would just dream. I mean, the Sears one I think is called the dream book and man, is that right on the nose? Because it was like, you, you would just go through and they would have like all the star Wars stuff set up 
that you'd turn and then like later in the mid 80s they would have the computer desk and they would have a computer and stuff you're like oh man i want that you know uh so that was super relatable to me i loved that part of it but uh there's a weird timeline issue anyway with this movie because uh, they're circling stuff the week before Christmas. Like my parents would have been like December 1st. They're like, you better quit adding stuff to that Christmas <laughs> list because we already, you know, but they haven't even done their Christmas shopping yet, which is pretty weird that about they're going to start December 22nd to go Christmas shopping or whatever, which is good for them. Um, <clears throat> but there's no way. I mean, they were circling stuff in the catalog when they get the call that the old man has died. So the old man has no idea the specific stuff. Now, right. I'm going to tell you, Sean, you're a dad. I'm a dad. Uh, when my kids were younger, I was like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And I was hoping they were going to say gloves. And they said, I want Pokemon. It has to be Red Edition Pokemon Red Lightning number two for Game Boy Advance. The, the two, not the one. I don't want this one. And also, it has to, not Blue Lightning, but Red. And I would be like, you got to write that shit down because I don't understand what language yeah. you are. So, I mean, if, I mean, for uh, the 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 grandpa, it seems impossible. So either there's one or two things. One is, I mean, the mom says they have $20 left or $21. Actually, she says including the change in the ashtray, ashtray yeah. <laughs> which is a bad sign. So, I mean, I don't know how much that sled is. I mean, isn't that a, wouldn't you say that's a $10 sled at least? Back then, probably, yeah. At least. You know, so, at least. So, so the mom didn't, didn't rebuy all that stuff. Um I don't, I don't really know what we're supposed to think. I mean, the mom couldn't have rebought all that stuff. But there's no way because. <sighs> okay, can it I? Goes back. Can, can I? We're never going to figure this out. So can can now, we? Let me just say one thing. Okay, go ahead. When you said that they built up the old man to be this guy that he wasn't. This is another example of that because the old man was not a guy that did every Christmas and bought every gift. The old man, as far as we know, got one gift right <laughs> his whole life. He bought the kid a BB gun. That's the only thing he ever did. So he was not this mystical Santa guy. And if he had been, they would have mentioned that in the whole movie. And when they were on the way there, Ralphie would have been like, don't worry about it. My, my dad takes care of it every year. My dad always knows what the kids want to get, but they never mentioned that. So yeah. something's wrong. So we talked about rewriting the Randy kind of, you know, in uh, India type of thing to something different. So we re let's rewrite this, right? And yeah. the, the movie ends where um, later that morning, Ralphie goes out to get the paper, right? Or the news or whatever, goes to the mailbox, gets the paper, and then people start yelling over to him. Really good, Ralph. I oh, loved it, or this and that. And he's like, what, the hell, "What are they talking about?" And this whole time, he's he's not only in charge of making this, you know, wonderful Christmas, but he's in charge of writing the obituary for his father because he's the writer. And he and he throws kind of a tantrum at one point and throws you know some stuff out. Well, he's been writing about his dad, right? Um, I think his mom at one point says, "You know, why don't you write about something that's." Um, or I think his wife says, like, relatable, right? Take a step back from this, like, Vetus, excuse me, you know, weird sci-fi thing that he's writing about something relatable, whatever, right? And so he 
starts writing about he writes this whole thing about his father and it gets published and it says my old man and everyone reads it and loves it because again everyone in the community knows who mr parker <laughs> right. is right like they all know who he is so everyone loves it and they get he gets a phone call and it's the local paper basically they want him to start writing more stories and they're gonna and I'm going, okay, it's this little town of what, Hammond, Indiana, that's supposed to be like this nowhere town, big whooped. But the selling right. thing is it's going to be syndicated. So it's going to be published all across the country in different you know, places. So my rewrite of this is have, have something happen. I mean, I, you'd have to do it a little bit different, I guess, because the old man thing was a nice way to end it. Mm. Um. But where he was to get a big forward and then they could go out and just because this the, the whole way of the presence is like, what the frick happened, man? How did this happen? It's right. bullshit. Or or have, you know, Scott stop at the house again and be like, hey, we found your stuff. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, oh, that would have been great. Something something different. Or the that gives him redemption. That or the bar. They all pull together because they're all there all the time. They all pull together and and re buy the like something different than your dad. Like, look, for everyone listening, you're probably thinking like we hated this movie. Couldn't be further from the truth. I actually loved the movie. I thought it was. I loved the movie. I had fun with I it. I did too. But no, we're just we're just talking. We this is how. This is basically how Rob and I talk about movies and stuff <laughs> when we're not on mic. Right. This is what we've been kind of doing. It's just easier for us to do it this way because we can talk live to each other in real time. But so I actually really enjoyed the movie, and I will watch it again this year, and I'll probably watch it next year. It'll be in my server. But we just wanted to talk you know, about this kind of stuff. I think that would have played out better because that was probably the worst play within the movie was that scene. How did this happen? The old man didn't. Because I can tell you this, again, going back to that time, and you're talking maybe 1983, 82, when I was, you know, eight years old, my grandparents gave me the Dagobah system for my Mm -hmm. birthday. I can guarantee you my grandfather had nothing to do with it. And even my grandmother probably had, I bet you the only thing my grandmother had to do with that was she gave my mom the $15 that my mom paid for it when she picked it up for her for my birthday. You know what I'm saying? Like, so to think of the old man bought all these specific gifts that these kids were wanting was so like, uh, come on. Right? Really? And not even gifts that they liked. Like this very specific things. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, great. You want to have the happy ending that the kids had their Christmas, but you could have done it differently. You got to explain it. You got to, you can't just be silly magic. And, and and here's the thing. Peter Billingsley is like partnered with Vince Vaughn, right? They have their right. own production company, which produced this movie. So it's not like you're working with some college students making, <laughs> making this movie. Right, right. And doesn't it, I mean it's it's weird that you and I are coming up with better. <laughs> yes, things, I know, feel like it. Explanations. They are. Please give so, us feedback and let us know if we're right. just crazy. If they're like, no, the the movie version is way better than your guys' idea. Of course, yeah. Randy would be in India, and of course, the old man would buy. You guys are absurd. Let's talk about the end of this movie. There's been a few moments in the movie. Now the house. 
uh, by the way, I wanted to mention this. I, I uh, uh, well, I'll talk about this. Yeah, let's see, let, but, uh, let's end the movie, and then I know where you're going. We'll 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 go into some stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So as as we've gone through uh, the movie, there's been a few times where Ralphie uh, and the camera have gone by uh, the old man's chair. Now, we saw the old man sitting in his chair in the original movie, um, and that's something that, even if you don't know the chair, it's something we can relate to. Like at your house, I bet there was a place that your dad always sat. My dad always sat in the same chair. My dad at the table, my dad always sat at the same place at the table. And if I went over there, I wouldn't sit there because that was his place, and he was a man, and that was his house. Can we? Can you I know? interrupt you? Yeah. So in my house in the living room, we don't have that. Like we have a sectional couch and then a love seat, and it's kind of like I've got my spots where I like to sit. But at the dinner table, at the dining room table, we have our spots, right? And sometimes when someone's over, it gets kind of mixed up, or whatever. And I'm like. That's weird. That's it's weird. Yeah, that's like now, you know who sits in my spot when they're over? My father. And it's and it's fine. When I go to their place for dinner, I have a I have a seat where I sit. Like we kind of and it, like I go to my dad's like once a year for dinner for Christmas, but we all have seats. We know where we sit. And the only person that's allowed to sit in my seat when we sit down to eat is my father. If anybody else is over generally, if like if it's one of my kids' friends, I'll be like, hey, Scoot over over there. That's my seat. You know what I mean? Like Bro, I'm just glad I'm not at the kitty table anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so we've got this seat. It's the old man's seat. And it's empty. Right. And so we have this visual reminder that the old man is not there. There's a couple times where they show, they walk through, and there's and that that chair's empty, you know. And at the end of the movie, like you said, the uh uh Ralphie's wife took his writing and submitted it to the paper. They published it. So it's a surprise to him. And then uh, the mom says, I didn't read it. I want you to read it to me. And I'm going to tell you, I'm looking, I mean, this is with credits, uh, but mine says this movie is 142 minutes long. And uh, out of 142 minutes, uh, I was like, I made it. 141 and a half minutes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And then the thing is, Ralphie comes, he sits down, and he takes over the old man's chair. And it's this symbolic moment where it hit me, where it's like he's he's accepted the position. Like he's taken over the mantle, you know what I mean? Like he's now the, the oldest male in the family. And he sits down and he starts reading that. And I was like, I got choked up. Yeah. Man. Same. You know? And uh, I haven't been through. I, you know, my parents are both alive, are alive. Your parents are alive, you know. But, and I just thought it, I was thinking silly. You watch a movie and you go, man, you know, uh, like these are silly characters. But it's also you're relating to a relationship and you're, you're having those same nostalgic feelings and stuff. And, uh, yep. When, when that, when it hit that moment, that got me, the, the end of it got me. Yeah, definitely. For sure. It, it did for me. Um, I, I may have mentioned on this show before with, you know, retro movies. I know I've talked to my wife about it, but for, you know, for, for whatever reason, um, 
scenes with dads and usually like sons and dads always get me more. Not to say that I'm not, I don't, you know, get emotional with a scene with it, but it just always does, you know, and I, I don't know if it has some, you know, I'm sure it has my own life into that feeling. You know, I think um, for everybody, I think everybody has had nobody's had a perfect relationship with their parents their whole lives. Right. You know that, what I mean? Like, right. That's what I'm saying. So it's, it's yeah. more personal when that happens with a guy and, and his son. I, I get a little more choked up. I definitely did. I definitely got choked up with this scene. And uh, but it was a perfect ending. And then it it, it goes from Ralphie to Gene Shepard transitioning into gene shepherd talking you know i thought it was i just thought it was beautiful because it it uh, first and and being a fan right of both the original movie and of the gene shepherd show and listening to him tell these stories in different ways with different changes or whatever i still fell into this like thing of like oh gene shepherd narrating is the old man no no he's ralphie He's Ralphie, yeah. you know, yeah. and we're seeing Ralphie wanted to be a writer and his obviously he uh, he's like, yes, I made it within a year. I made it. I made the timeline. I'm a published writer now. I've just got offered to write more stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's playing into who Gene Shepard was. He was a you yeah. know, radio personality and, and a writer you know, of, of stories, yeah. a great storyteller. And that's showing through Ralphie at the end there. So here's, and so one, one thing I was going to say, which is really kind of after, after that, um, uh, no, I'm not going to say that now. Here's what I'm going to say now. This movie is bumpy. Like this movie does not flow perfectly smooth you know what i mean like there's there's plot problems there's character problems there's all kinds of things little little problems you know and as i after i watched it and of course you have your your um immediate reaction but then the next day i'm kind of thinking about it and i thought you know it was a, a thanksgiving when i was a kid and we had on the front of our oven, we had these little timers. You remember like the old, like this is a seventies oven. And the timers were built in and they, and you like press the knob in yep. and turned yep. it, you know, and it would do that. Okay. Ours were broken. <laughs> they did not I work. I actually have a radio right behind me that, that <laughs> I collect vintage radio. Same idea. Yeah. And uh, my grandma from Chicago came down. And uh, my mom was was uh, had already like done other stuff, and then uh, they put the turkey in, and they were like, Lorraine, my grandma, they were like, Lorraine, don't use those timers. She's like, now you got to use the timer, and they were like, the timers don't work, don't use them, you know. And she was like, okay, okay. And the minute everybody left, she immediately turned the timer. What happened? The timer would get stuck, and so it would never come on. The oven would not come on. So the minute we all left the room, my grandma turned the timer, which everybody said not to do. And then we waited four hours or however long for, you know, it's time for Thanksgiving and they pulled the turkey out and it's frozen. I mean, and it's cold. Nobody noticed after two hours that th there wasn't, wasn't a smell coming throughout the house. 
you know, I was a kid, so maybe it wasn't the whole time, but yeah. at some point they realized it was a half hour, like, but to you it was all day. No, it was hours. It was it was a long time because we I can tell you that's the only year that we had Thanksgiving dinner. Like at, supper. At, at a Chinese restaurant? We did not have Thanksgiving lunch. We had it at supper time because it was it didn't cook. And then it screwed up everything else because, you know, all the other stuff was ready to was going to be ready to go and this and that, you know. And uh, that was the year. You can look it up. It's uh, I think it's 84. But I can tell you it's the year that Supergirl movie came out. Uh-huh. My dad goes, get in the car. We're going to the movies. <laughs> and me and my sister, my cousins, um, we all went and got in the car. And he took us to the local movie theater. And um, uh, we went to the movies and we went to go see Supergirl and we did some other stuff. And so anyway, here's the point of this. Uh, I don't remember that as being a bad Thanksgiving. I remember, I mean, it's a, it's a funny incident to me. And now my parents laugh about it. You know, they're like, damn grandma. <laughs> Had to yeah. use the timer. We told her not to, and I'm sure mashed potatoes and the pies were not as fresh as they would have been at one o'clock when we normally eat. I'm sure there were all these things, but at the end of it, the memory of that day is greater than the sum of all its parts. Oh, if of that course, absolutely. Our family was there. Yeah, my grandma was there from Chicago. My my aunt, and uncle, and my cousins from Chicago were down that year. Uh, and that's what I, I mean, to me, going and seeing Supergirl, that's a pretty fun thing to do on Thanksgiving. You yeah. Know, yeah. That, you know? And so I thought of the next, it took me a day, but the next day I, I decided, or it kind of clicked in my head that this movie is kind of like that. This movie, you know, maybe some parts of it are a little lumpy and some parts are cold and. Maybe part of the plot was in the oven that didn't get cooked long enough, <laughs> you know. But at, at the end of the day, I, I there's something about it that I did like. I really did like it, and I really kind of was pulling for Ralphie. And and at you know, especially at the end, it, they did kind of wrap it up into this story that that made me happy to have have rejoined his family later in life. Yeah, I, uh, I you said it perfectly. You know, and I feel the same. That's why I, as we were recording, you know, I mean, we're like almost two hours in right now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm like, man, should I like in post, like edit something in the beginning that says that we like the movie? Because I feel like for the first hour and a half, you know, we were crapping on everything, but we we're just, we we're just talking, you know, two people watched a movie Obviously, we're we we're passionate about the original and everything. So, it, but we really, really did enjoy the movie. But you know, it's like yeah. it's one of them things where it's like you it can't help but kind of pick it apart. I mean, um, you know, I don't want to be again. I'm gonna reference it, and it sometimes it takes people off. But I don't want to be that Star Wars fan that loves the movie because of Star Wars. But there, I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of that going on, but I don't think so. I just think it was goofy, and I went into it knowing. It wasn't going to be, and it couldn't be the original. It couldn't give me the same feeling as the original. And it probably isn't intended to give you that exact feeling of the original. But 
it's familiar enough and you know yeah like you said you know maybe the potatoes weren't as fresh you know and the turkey could have been cooked a little bit better with some of the stories i think you know maybe if if there's if there's a a christmas story christmas again you know maybe you know vince reach out you know what i mean we'll help you out with the, <laughs> with writing some stuff but you know It'd be like beta testers you let us watch it we'd be like hey yeah. have this happen yeah you know so uh but no I, I enjoyed it and uh it was fun you know it was fun and like i said it's it's gonna be in my christmas mix and and the, the nice thing is like you were like dude are you gonna watch it i want to talk about it and i was like i can't because <laughs> like nobody in my house wanted to really watch it like my daughter kind of wanted to but she was sick and i'm a germ guy so i'm like yeah nope get back in your room <laughs> i don't want you around me right now and my sons could really care less uh and my wife was like look like my wife loves christmas and celebrating christmas but there's a time when it starts with her you know there's always right. there's always that thing where it's like we have halloween and then like three days later people post like uh i was just at target and they're playing christmas music what the heck you know there's people that love it right after there are people like my wife who are like i love it too i like the season but after thanksgiving i'm kind of like hey whenever it starts it starts i'm cool so she didn't want to watch it yet she's like it's not it's not christmas time yet we need to get through thanksgiving you know and we had this monster snowstorm here in buffalo and i was like it's perfect and she's like nope it's not christmas i go well i said i gotta watch it because rob wants to talk about it with me you know and she's like well tell rob it's not christmas time yet I'm like, uh. <laughs> well, that's true. That that's their fault. They released it in November. You know what are you gonna do? Uh, there was uh, one thing I wanted to mention, and then one one final question okay. for you. Uh, the thing I wanted to mention is, uh, as you know, about uh, seven or eight years ago, my family and I went on a road trip. Uh, we drove all the way up through uh, Chicago and through Cleveland, and we went to Christmas Story House. And uh, that was after they had uh, just recently restored it. They had completely rebuilt it to look like it did uh, in the movie. Now, as you know, in the original movie, they shot the exterior scenes at that house, but not the interior scenes. Right. Those were mostly done on a soundstage. But when they rebuilt the house, they rebuilt the house to look like the shots from the inside of the house to match as well. So uh, I got to walk all through the house, and the house is done up. Uh, totally like the movie. There's a big crate that says Fred G. Lay on it that has a <laughs> that's full of packing material. There's a leg lamp in the front. Uh, there's a, a Red Rider BB gun that you can hold and pose and take pictures. Uh, there's even a uh, little orphan Annie decoder and a chewed on bar of soap in the bathroom. So everything from the movie, I mean, it really caters to um, uh, fans of the film. And so when uh, I saw this, when I started watching this film, they pull up to the outside of the house and you go, wow, the, outs the outside has not changed. It's amazing. And then when you go inside, obviously it's been updated because this movie is 30 years later. So the decor is a little bit more, you know, 70s than uh, 40s, you know, but the layout is still the same. And I thought, how lucky are they at... They're able to just step back into the same house. You know, obviously they they must have rented this the museum house and just gone back in uh, and shot this movie. And I, I was so amazed, and, and you know, because the the house and the Bumpus's house, it all looks the same. 
And then I went on IMDb in the trivia section, and it says this film was uh, made in Bulgaria in 2021. It could not film here because of COVID restrictions. So they went to Bulgaria, and the first thing they did was rebuilt the street. They rebuilt all these houses. <laughs> and I was shocked uh, to read that because it, that never that never entered my mind uh, that that some you know what I mean like like if you were to go it's, it's not like they built a model it's like they built the house and they yeah. built the neighbor's house and they built that you know and I went back and compared it to the original and and the trees are different but the trees are different in the neighborhood I grew up thirty years ago you know so yeah. I was just absolutely blown away i uh, never i never would have realized it uh you had told me that so i knew going in so mm-hmm. but yeah it was it was crazy it was insane yeah. how how because i i in 2016 i went to the christmas story house with my family and we went and did the tour we went through the you know um as a matter of fact now i think it's up for sale right now but you can rent it and stay yeah. you can spend the night there's uh i didn't know there was a third story like attic area that's mm. now turned into like an airbnb and when you if you rent that you get access i believe to the entire house when it's done because i watched a video i think his name the daily woo where he rented it and stayed there and you know he was allowed he went on the tour and then he he was allowed to you know he he rented the upstairs third floor little airbnb suite you know kind of it's almost like kind of like a studio apartment kind of thing upstairs Mm -hmm. but he was walking around the house and you know at night when it was closed that's pretty freaking wild um i loved it when we were there but that's for sale now as well as um when i went and obviously when you went because you went before me the bumpus's house was still i believe owned by whoever owned it at that time yes well they eventually purchased that. So they owned, when I went, they had the Christmas Story House in Cleveland. And then across the street, there was a museum. And next to that was a uh, like a gift shop, right? So they owned three properties there. And then they bought the Bumpus' house and they redid that. And it's an Airbnb. And it is beautiful. It's gorgeous oh. inside. Absolutely gorgeous. The pictures, it's, it's beautiful. And they own all of it because now you can park between those houses where before you couldn't so there's parking there but it's a really cool place like if you're ever in the cleveland area i mean we went in november but there was no snow it was still grass you know it was cold but um i would love to go back i don't know if i ever will i don't know if my wife is like yeah that's something i need to do i think you know with some things my wife's kind of like we did it i don't need to get but i would love to go back did you go to the museum part when you we did we went we went to the museum we went to the, the the gift shop and then we went to the, uh, you know, the, the Christmas Story house. I would love to go back. But what I'm saying is, if anybody listening is ever in the area of Cleveland, Ohio, check it out. Um, I think you got to buy tickets early. You could buy them that day, but like, there's like you have times that you can go in. Like I remember we bought them, and we were like the gold, you know, the gold uh, group. When you had to wait, we had to wait like an hour until the gold group. All right, the gold group now, and everyone gathered the gold group, and then they kind of take you through it. Would love to stay there, but it's expensive. I think it's like three hundred something a night or something like that, or or more. <clears throat> Excuse me. But yeah, uh, I was surprised that whenever we went, it was like um, I thought it would be very controlled. Like 
everybody staying here please don't touch anything please don't. and it's not it's the opposite of that yeah it's pretty hands-on yeah they go they turn you loose for half an hour and they're like go have fun you yeah know, go take a yeah. bunch of selfies and, so and have that so i watched the credits and i don't i mean we gotta we gotta wrap this up but if you watch the full credits um i don't know if you did but they show you in the full credits some side-by-side shots of like this movie and then the original movie and there's stills still shots of like a scene where they kind of recreated or you know what I mean? Like where the dad's picking at the Turkey where he'll get worms and the kids go in to look at the Turkey and different scenes mm-hmm. like that. But I was reading cause I was like, Oh yeah, it's right. This was, you know, made in Bulgaria or whatever. And you could tell by the names of like the camera, like all this thing, but A local crew. Yeah. <clears throat> but there was, I think part of it was done in Canada because it's, there was something about like, you know, Canada filming or whatever. And this is why uh, it stood out was because, Look, where I live, I'm literally like 10 minutes from the border of Canada. So I, mm-hmm. I'm i around Canadians a lot. You know what they sound like. That tree guy, that wasn't shot in Bulgaria. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. And um, I believe, I, I could be wrong, but I believe the original, and I'm not saying that this was the original, but the original, I think the Chinese restaurant in the original film was shot in or around Toronto or something. And that tree shop is right next to the Chinese restaurant. And this movie is like, there's a Chinese restaurant right next door. So, oh. um, but that guy selling the trees, that dude ain't, that, he's Canadian. That was a Canadian. You can, <laughs> yeah, I, I can think hear that, his voice. <laughs> the the houses and stuff, I think, is, is the part that they had done overseas, you know. Yeah. Uh, so my final question to okay. you is, our last uh, thing that we did uh, prior to vacation was 8-Bit Christmas which took place about a little more than 10 years after this movie, uh-huh. mid eighties. So did you feel like, um, did you feel more nostalgia for that movie, which took place in the eighties? Uh, this movie, which took place really before we were born in the seventies. Was there any, do you wish, I, I almost felt like this movie should have been in the eighties and then eight bit Christmas beat him to the punch. Yeah. Um, you know, so it had to be seventies, but also seventies, had a, has a different feel. You know, 70s to me is, 70s is old school. You know what I mean? Like, the like 70s, you're a hungry, hungry hippo, and 80s, it's Atari. You know what I mean? So, yeah, very different. So I just wanted to get your, your thoughts on that before we go. Well, I think you, I think you could be honest something. I think 80s would have been perfect. Again, I, I believe this movie is, there. it is, I mean, I think this the original movie is loved by by all different ages, but I really think it's it's our generation because we grew up with it, right? Um, but I think '80s would have been perfect because it really would have it would have hit because we had we would have been hit with that double that we would have <laughs> we would have hit been hit with that double whammy of like you know, bam, it's Christmas story, and bam, it's in the '80s. It would have been really cool. Um, yeah. But to answer your question, this one. Yeah, I think you're right. It's right. it just it's just too familiar with the characters, you know, as goofy and as you know different as they look. It's still. I think this has more ageless nostalgia, and I thought Eight Bit Christmas relies so much on eighties. Yeah, and I love like we love Eight Bit Christmas. I mean, I'll oh, watch yeah, it again sure. this year. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris was awesome in that movie, and I, and and that movie had a very Christmas story feel to it, a more modernized but retro feel to this original movie, but definitely, uh, definitely with this. Um, so 
Well, we're, we're going to wrap up here in a second, but I do want to say, and I, I apologize for it, but I, I don't know why I am. I mean, I, I have, I have nothing to gain from it, but well, I guess I do in a sense, but I'm going to say, but the whole Gene Shepard thing, I mean, mm-hmm. I think I've told you this, I'm sure I've mentioned it on here before in the past, but the way we, you and I became friends was I reached out to you. I, f- I found your podcast. You know, you don't know Flack. I started listening to episodes. And there was episodes in there that I had no connection to. Um, but I always told you, like, you're a great storyteller, right? And that's not to say, like, you're telling me a story. Like, you're like well, I'm here to amuse you. Like, not that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you would tell these stories, and they just it had a way that would grab me and, and, and they were retro in themes. So that's how I reached out to you. We started talking, you, you know, throwback reviews and however many years later, here we are really good friends. We talk all the time. So if anyone's like, wow, these guys talk once a year. No, we talk like multiple times a week. <laughs> we're always talking. Um, so I loved your storytelling and that's how I feel about Gene Shepard. I listened to these shows from the sixties and seventies that, one I like because they're historic when he does talk about things that are going on in the times, but a lot of them are just, he's just telling these stories and, you know, I'm sure they're not even a quarter of them are true or whatever. They're just these characters and these things that he's made, but he's just really good at telling these stories. So if you really love a Christmas story and you love the narration of the original film with Gene Shepard, uh, his voice and narrator, um, Go to Walt Disney World and go on the Carousel of Progress. I'm just kidding. Although he does do the narrations for that. Um, I heard they're going to redo it. But anyways, just go on, either go on YouTube or if you have a pod, you know, you listen to podcasts, type in Gene Shepard. It's J-E-A-N, not G-E-N. He he had a thing with that. But uh, there's so much out there in these stories. You can find, like if you go in there and look up the Wanda Hickey's Look it up on the internet and you'll find all the short stories. And you look at those short stories on YouTube and he pretty much tells all these stories. You don't need to buy them. If you're like me, like I know how to read, but I can't read. I fall asleep. You know what I mean? Like if I try to read, I get tired. I start wandering. I listen to everything. I consume through my ears. I love these stories. And you'll hear so many things with Flick and Schwartz and, you know, Bruner is another one that I don't think we hear in the movie, but we Bruner is a huge character or a character that's always brought up in his stories. Um, same with, uh, you know, Grover Dill and Scott Farkas, the old man. You hear the old man, the old man all the time, Randy. You hear these stories and they're just so much. If you love these movies, it'll just it'll make you smile. Um, another thing you can do, this is where I, it's a shameless plug, but I'm really not got anything off it. Um, I think you can, you still go there? Did you ever check? I, you can go to, um, oh man, uh, OTR playlist. That was a podcast I used to do. I did it for a while with Ferg actually, uh, from Atari 2600 game, my game podcast where I would just, I would, uh, I would pick a topic, a show, and I would maybe grab three or four episodes. Well, I did one on Gene Shepard and, uh, the, the episodes that I picked for that, the, the final one is the, the Cleveland Street Kid um, is basically the Red Rider story. Right. But then the other ones I put in there, a couple of them, like there's one where it's about him tinkering with his dad's car. It kind of it just they're good stories. It just shows I picked a couple that I liked that showed, you know, you can listen to Gene Shepard telling stories. So I know I'm rambling on about it, but I really just I love his storytelling. 
and uh, Rob he's O'Hara's. A, he's a, a master. At his writing is amazing, and it translates uh, to audio. And when you hear the guy telling his own stories, there's nothing more powerful than, you know, a good storyteller telling their own stories. You know, because they're they're the ones that know them the best. So, uh, yeah, the the link you sent me the other day did work, uh, and I listened to that. So yeah, so then um, just uh, yeah, just go to uh, OTR playlist and uh, you can you could find that episode if you if you want. It's a you know I it's got some good stories in there. He's a paper boy and he's trying to collect for some guy who's dodging him and giving him the business and it's uh it, I don't know I just love his story so you'll find him somewhere. But uh, I think that's probably gonna wrap up this episode. I had fun with this man. We we kind of went into this where we're like you know what we used to try to do a structure and Rob would give backstory and this and that. There was no backstory needed with this episode. It's the same thing as you no. said. You don't need those images in the movie because we've all we've all seen it before. So this was fun. I had a great time doing this. When will we do another episode? I don't know. You know, I guess when it strikes us. So keep us in your podcatchers. You know, don't delete us. We'll we'll bring something out here or there. But dude, this is a good time. And I, I look forward to to you know recording something else where it's kind of natural of what we want to talk about. And I look forward to watching this movie again. It could be another uh, sequel in 40 years, so stay tuned. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's going to, I mean, that's all I got. I'm going to wrap this up. Rob, unless you got any last minutes, uh, we got the closing music going now. But everyone knows where they can find you, robohair.com. Yep. The same places. We haven't, we haven't moved. So yeah, and me, I mean, you can go to alldutchpods.com and there's a link to all my other shows. It's supposed to be a feed catcher for every episode that I put in there. Um, if it's not up to date, the links are up to date as far as the uh, the other podcasts. If that's something you're interested in, including OTR playlist. So um, I may actually re-release that anyways with Christmas coming up. So, uh, but that's all yeah. I got. Dude. Okay. If, uh, uh, people again if you can't find that you could go to throwbackreviews.com forward slash OTR that episode alright okay man well that's all I got <sighs> anything for you that's it that's Merry, it uh, happy holidays happy Thanksgiving and uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas alright talk to you later